0: Talk would like to thank our patrons who sponsor our show. So, warm gratitude goes to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canalis, Fedor Stamen, Frodo NL, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vemke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Bucata, Jason I don't Mouth, see us on YouTube, Baron, Ken Riker, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley. Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Enman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Cocoa Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Cocoa Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds and courage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made,
1: we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear,
0: designer of TRS80
2: Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. <laughs>
0: I don't. The world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real time clocks,
3: and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 176. Let's talk Coco. Are you ready to talk about Coco? Because we are.
4: Coco Talk is rocking the
3: 8-bit world. Keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Hello, everybody, and how's everybody doing today? I'm David Ladd, and I'm your temporary host. (laughs) Oh, wow, how'd that happen? No, I don't know. Okay, so we're going to start off with our panel introductions, and on our top left, we've Mark Bosley. How are you doing today, sir? Doing fine. That's great. My YouTube still hasn't started yet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, YouTube, we know how that goes. Have you tried to it right. on again? <laughs> uh, the chat working, <laughs> not the video. All right, Just next serial. person on the list, Stevie Strawbridge. How are you doing today, sir?
0: Hello, hello, David. Thanks for being here. Big fan of the show. Glad to be on it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next in line is David O'Connor. Hey, how you doing, everybody? It's a good day
5: for freedom here in Australia today. That's good, sir. And how are you doing?
6: Well,
3: well, i muted. Okay.
6: I'm
4: muted.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Unscripted, ladies and gentlemen. Good. Yes, indeed. All right. Next on the list is Ron Delvo.
7: Hi there. Glad to be here. Like the place. Talking is a good thing. I uh, hope we can get some of that done today. We probably won't be short of that at all. We never are, nope. Ron. All right. Nope. Going
3: down to the next row and working across the other direction, we're starting with Alan Murphy. Howdy, howdy, everyone. Hope you're doing all right. Well, so far here. And next on the list is Patrick Uland. How are you doing, sir? Oh, uh, Pretty good. Howdy, folks. Howdy. Hello. Next on the list is Mark Overholzer. How are you doing, sir? Hi there, oh. I'm doing fine. Glad to see you there running things, Mr. Ladd. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Now, next on the list is Terry Steggy. Hi, everybody. Welcome. How are you doing, sir? Hello. <laughs> Thank you. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Now we're moving down to the next line, and now it's time for Nick Marota. How you doing, sir?
6: I am great. It's always wonderful to be among friends and fellow cocoa enthusiasts. I'm your um, friend. Oh, you're
4: here. In oh, wow. D's.
6: Well, I said I'm cocoa enthusiasts. You can say what
4: That
3: covers those who are not your friend.
6: Exactly. Friend.
4: I, make, I make no
5: presuppositions.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, the next on the list is our resident Canadian news broadcaster, L. Curtis Boyle.
8: Hello, everyone. Sorry, I was just about late to the panel here. I only joined about two minutes before the show went to air, so I was busy this morning. Well, that's
3: good. And next on the list is Brian Shubring. Hello, hello, hello. No frog
9: in the voice today. And uh, it's going to be a short time for me, but I just want to drop
3: in and say hello, Cocoa World, and let's rock it through it. All right, Brian, that's good to know. Now, moving down to the next line and working back across again. Wait, Mr. Ladd. Oh, what? I'm the host. I already (laughs) gave my little (laughs) intro. All right. Next is James Diffendeffer. Yo, what's up? (laughs) All righty. And then we've got (laughs) Paul Thayer. Hey, since it didn't
6: happen during his introduction... (laughs)
3: <laughs> thank you Ooh, all righty. next <laughs> and final on the list is Nick Marionettes g'day humans <laughs> oh, <that's right. laughs> how you doing Nick I'm alright that's good all right. Well, that concludes the introductions for today. Well, where,
2: where's the David Ladd enthusiasm? I'm, I've been hey, waiting hey, for that. I mean,
3: he's am I enthusiastic, enthusiastic enough part. for you, Nick? Yeah. Am I not enthusiastic oh. enough for you, sir?
10: Am I not enthused?
3: <laughs> don't, don't encourage him, Nick. <laughs> All right. So we've uh, got some announcements we're going to quickly cover here. So, Stevie, would you like to do the Glenside one? Why, thank you, David Lad. I'm really
0: excited <laughs> to talk to you today about the Glenside <laughs> virtual picnic that will be taking place on September the 19th. <laughs> We're going to have virtual wieners and virtual dogs and buns and, and virtual relish and all kinds of goodies. <laughs> I'm excited about a virtual picnic. But um, that'll be... Next week the, the week after,
5: next week, the week after
0: next week, I'm not sure,
5: but um, Stevie got possessed by David. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, so. that's the Twilight Zone. Yes, yeah, so um, I put out an announcement today on the Glenside Facebook page, and uh, so as you know, the official Cocoa Fest is postponed this year, there will not be an in person Cocoa Fest, and technically, there was not an official Glenside. Virtual Cocoa Fest. We did a virtual Cocoa Fest, but it wasn't an official Glenside event. It was just Cocoa Talk doing the best it could to do something on the day that should have been Cocoa Fest. But there is going to be an official Glenside virtual event, which is uh, every year in September they typically have a picnic when they get together somewhere in the greater Chicago area. And they meet and they have a picnic. But this year, because of covid even in the Chicago area, I don't think they're going to be meeting in person, so we're all going to meet virtually. So um, stay tuned. It'll be streamed here on Coco Talk. How we join the virtual picnic is still to be determined. I'm not sure if it'll be on Blue Jeans or if it'll be on Zoom. We'll figure it out. But uh, look forward to that. And by the way, if you're watching us on YouTube, which hopefully you are, um, the stream is... Screwed up. So the normal place it shows up is not showing up in the right place because YouTube has decided to change the way it does streaming at the last minute. And I know we are live on my channel, but we're not live on the normal live page that we're on. So hopefully you guys will find it and join us. Thank you, YouTube. Um, All right. So that's my announcement. Uh, David (laughs) O'Connor.
5: Yeah, um, during the week, um, I've been a member of, on Facebook, a member of a group called um, Adelaide Retro Computer uh, Group. Oh, it, that's, that's roughly the name of it, I can't remember exactly. Um, and I've never really posted a lot there. Um, but, and I didn't realise they actually had physical meetups. Um, but this week, like last night, literally a few hours ago, um, One of the guys there posted a uh, TRS-80, a a Coco 2, and he said, I I don't have a Coco 2, but I've got a big box full of about 60 cassettes and everything, and I want to try them out, and does anybody in this group have a (laughs) Coco? And I thought, oh, do I have a Coco? Hmm, let me think. (laughs) So uh, I posted a reply, and I posted up my pictures of all my Coco gear and all the rest of it, and uh, then I found out that next week there is a physical um, Adelaide Retro Computer Meetup. So uh, I've been invited along. So I'm going to take along some of my cocos and uh, get some photos and meet up with the guys and ho- hopefully get a little bit of video as well and uh, and do a report on it next week.
3: So uh, should be fun. Sounds cool for sure.
8: Hmm. Should stream
5: from it.
0: Yeah, possibly.
5: Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's a Friday night though. Ah, so some, the
0: time zone differences, yeah.
5: Yeah, so it'll be Thursday night for you guys, or th- what, Thursday okay. sometime for you guys.
0: Okay, and then Curtis, do you want to mention the Amigos?
8: Yeah, so the Amigos, um, they actually have a local retro computer club there that once again, like, like David's mentioned, they usually physically meet up, and with COVID restrictions in West Virginia, that's definitely not happening, hasn't for a while. So they decided to do a, a Zoom-style meetup. But then they decided to expand. of just the local area, and it's TEA Wise Computer Club, and that stands for, I don't know, the local county or something. I can't remember the exact name. But they decided to do an international one because a lot of the viewership for the Amiga and their Sinclair shows and stuff has been from Europe. So they're inviting basically everybody out. Um, they put out an invite for it for doing little presentations or just general talk or whatever. And Nick Morentes and I are joining them to represent the Coco. So uh, Nick will be showing off a, a further preview of his Pipes game, probably a little bit more than we last saw on our show. Uh, just to show a bit of his progress and just to introduce some of the people there to the Coco. That takes place next Saturday. It'll be live on their Twitch channel. We'll be posting a link to that later on the news section. Uh, they'll eventually li- upload that to the YouTube page as well afterwards, so you can view it on there as well. And uh, it'll be happening at 5 p.m. Eastern, so just at the tail end of Coco Talk.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. David Ladd, our announcer this
3: week, what's next on the show? Well, the next thing on the list is the commercial break. (laughs) Are we ready? Are you excited for a commercial break? (laughs) Oh, yes, I am. And then after the commercial break, we'll be doing our Game On segment. So let's roll the footage, Stevie. All right. And as
0: as we play us out into commercial break, which is it's audible only, but I wanted to say thank you to Cargo who um, got Cosmic Aliens this week and dissected some of the code and actually started learning how to use the play command, I'm thinking, for the very first time in Extended Basic. And um, he then did that play command and uh, created a little Coco uh, Talk theme uh, music in the play command. So let's play us out with that. Thank you, Cargo. Time for everyone's favorite segment. Who's new to Discord this week? This week, we welcome Ninefinger Tom. Gee, I wonder if he had a shop class accident. But he has a Coco 1, 2, and 3, multi-pack interface, disk drives, and cartridges. He recently got a Coco SDC and is looking forward to hooking it all up. And as always, we'd love to give a special thank to Boys on Tech, our Coco Talk patrons, David Ladd, Jim Rye, Paul Fiscarelli, Rob Inman, and Terry Steggy for boosting the Discord server. You can join us on Discord at discord.cocotalk.live.
3: See y'all on Discord. The music is back.
10: Watcher, I don't need that report tomorrow.
6: (laughs) That's great, JT.
10: I need it tonight.
6: Oh, JT. Fletcher, like, saved over 300 clams, you dig, when she got her a Model 100 from Radio Shack, like a good little consumer. (laughs) It's like a word processor, a phone directory, and dialer, you dig, man? It even, like, you know, can groove with your office computer.
11: (laughs) Fletcher? Fletcher,
10: you'll go far. Fletcher, you'll go far. (laughs) I love the backwards
4: (laughs) words.
0: Oh my god! So if you're, oh my god, hold on. Now I have to close out whatever this thing is. (laughs) Thank you, Facebook, for wanting to play an autoplay another video. Oh, so uh, mu- much to my surprise, that showed up on Facebook today, courtesy of Allison DeNue, which, by the way, she is doing a much better production value on her pr- videos than this show is. So, uh. <laughs> she's even
6: revealing some secrets.
0: Oh, you'll go far, Fletcher. You'll <laughs> it go good. far. That was really good. <laughs> oh, my God. That was good that was too good Uh, we have a special announcer today sir David Ladd David Ladd what segment do we have coming up next now
3: we have the game on segment are we ready Nick are we ready we are Okay, Stevie let's roll that footage
12: Coco Thoughts is going on hiatus
4: (laughs) we'll return in October
10: <laughs> High score challenge.
6: Hello and welcome to another fantastic week of Coco Talk Game on results. We had twenty people playing Canyon Climber. Mark B seventy four hundred. Joshua, 11,800. Cat Lord, 12,400. David Ladd, 12,600. Me, 15,000 even. Canadian Retro Things, 22,600. Cargo, 24,000. Buck Owens, 24,200. OG Stevie Stro 24,200. 8 Bits in the Basement, 26,400. J.R. Blade, 27,600. Frodo, 27,800. Jim Rye, 30,200. Mr. Dave, 6309 with 40,900. Tom C. with 43,000. Erico with 67,000. Tasman, 67,600. Paul Shoemaker, 77,000 even. David Croker, 80,200. And the number one square this week belongs to Adam Tandy, Dragon Guy, with 100,200. Way to go. Thank you for all those sweet participants.
0: Wow. Adam Tandy Guy. And, That's and, a heck of a school. Yeah, and uh, I, didn't do, I didn't come back for reactions after the Coco Thoughts announcement, but I must say... Um, I have gotten kind of spoiled by the quality entertainment that Samuel Gimes has been cranking out um, week after week. But uh, listen, the man is only human. His name is not Ed Snyder. He's not a Cylon. So if he needs to recharge his batteries, (laughs) uh, that's certainly understandable. I've thoroughly enjoyed and appreciated all of the fine quality content Samuel Gimes has brought us each and every week. So thank you, Samuel. Take a rest. And we look forward to more Coco thoughts in the near future. Also, real quick, just want to say thanks to Core Dream Studios, which I'm not used to seeing this, but apparently in the live chat on YouTube, you can make uh, like donations or whatever through the chat. So he did that. He sent us $5 live in the YouTube live chat. So thanks for that. Cool. And uh, Nick Morota, how was Canyon Climber this week?
6: It was fantastic. As I said, we had 20 people. I'm going to share the screen, Stevie, if that's okay.
8: Sharing is caring. <laughs> oh, Nick, are you going to mention that late, late, late entry that came in after? I fishing? will.
6: That's actually that's actually top of the list. The, the late, late entry. Cool. There's actually a story behind it. As soon as I can get my uh, my
5: my uh, browser. Late entry yeah. with Dave Letterman.
6: <laughs> so yes, uh, actually that late entry, and uh, so Adam Tandy guy had the highest score, and the late entry that was submitted by Tasman was actually a fraud but i knew about it that's why he submitted, ah. it, after, he submitted it after the deadline because Tan, uh, tasman continued his uh, his um his uh want of breaking games so i don't know if you knew about this curtis but there is a bug in canyon climber that uh, tasman stumbled across so can you see my screen yes we can Okay, so pay attention. The, the the guy is the second board, yes. and the guy is on the second level, so mm-hmm. watch what happens. So I, obviously he started at the beginning and climbed up the ladder to where he is now.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Hey, look at that.
0: They don't hit you. Huh.
6: Oh.
0: So if you climb back down, and the, the, the collision detection goes away. Oh, and you can just and sit he, there and get better, points. Even better.
6: Even <laughs> better. What he did was he started jumping them, jumping, and he started getting points. So you can just sit here and rack <laughs> up points. So he basically did that, and um, <laughs> that's not really a th- fraud. Then the score is a fraud. The two hundred thousand was a fraud score. He didn't. He did that this way. Uh, the one he submitted of eighty thousand was legit, but this was a. This was. A, he didn't want to take advantage of this bug. That's that's cheating. So. Uh, So basically he rigged up his joystick to keep the button pressed and ended up at at this point.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. That is. um... Uh Uh-huh. And you can see the score rolls over. Oh, holy shit. Look how fast those freaking arrows are coming out of there, too. Are you speeding that up? No, no, that's that's
8: the gameplay. Yeah, it does get that fast. <laughs> there was another video a long time ago. I wish I could have found it. I tried looking for it of a guy who actually played a full playthrough and he didn't cheat. Yeah, the and speed he made it run up to Canyon nine or ten or something like that. Yeah, which and is it, insane. It gets, all the levels get wicked fast once yeah. you get past the, that level.
6: So, uh, yeah, Tasman wrote to me a couple days ago and said he found this bug and he, he said, you know, would uh, be
8: could we? Yeah I wouldn't call could, it, I, I wouldn't call that a fraud. I would call that exploiting a feature.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well the thing that I noticed, I didn't try that, but um I noticed when you're on the third um the actual like kind of canyon phase where you have to jump from platform to platform uh, number one, you only get points when you jump to a platform that's a notch higher than when you are. So there's one where there's two platforms that are on the same level side by side. So when you jump to the second one, you don't get any points for jumping on the same vertical level. But if you try to back, if you try to go back and try to jump down one, you'll actually die. So you can't go backwards on that third screen. Um, so for whatever that's worth. Look at this douchebag. <laughs>
6: Hopefully the sound is not coming through, but I'll mute it. No, the sound is anyway. not coming
0: through. Yeah.
6: So yeah, I thought that was a Tasman con- uh, continues with the Game Busters, uh, the Game Busters feature, which I think is funny. And it actually, it's kind of I, I had this mistaken impression that games back in the day were released without uh, without significant bugs, but apparently
0: not. Well, again, is that really feel- a bug? Because a bug is when something's broken. That's an exploit. Well, That's an it's exploit. exploit.
6: Yeah. Okay, it's an unintended feature then. So.
8: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least in this it, one, it, we can believe the insane rainbow high scores now because they could have legitimately done it.
5: Yeah, true. Do I exactly. detect a, uh, a potential for a new segment here, Gamebusters? And we, mm. you, we redo the Ghostbusters thing. <laughs> Who are you going to call Game? Well, I, was Busters? Thinking, <laughs> I was thinking
6: Mythbusters guys, but yeah, I've already been oh, yeah. calling them the Gamebusters team. So, yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah, if they can continue to do that, that'd be really fun. Mm. So. Um, Obviously, this is an early game, uh, ported to a few different platforms, um, and very reminiscent of Donkey Kong in, Donkey Kong in some ways. Uh, what did you guys uh, think of it?
0: I liked it. I, I've been a fan of the game. Um, but this, for me, was I. Uh, Tom C. and I were on Discord one night, and we were both playing at the same time, and I submitted my screenshot. Um, it's one of the, it's one. It's some games you you want to spend more time trying to get better and pushing yourself. For me, this was not one of those games. Um, I, I did find the joystick worked better for me than the keyboard because I found trying to play on keyboard getting lined up on those ladders was a bit of a challenge. Oh yeah. Um, uh, it obviously gets faster as you play. But uh, to me, this game was fun. It was fun when it was new, but in the library of Coco games, I, w- I would summarize this game as being a three-trick pony. It's got three screens, and once you've done those three screens, I'm not motivated to keep doing them to see how far I can go and how fast the game can be. It just doesn't, it doesn't grab me that way. So I played it for you know, about an hour, did the best score I could, and said, F it, I'm not going to kill myself this week on this one. So <laughs>
6: Okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I'd say I'd, I'd say it's not one of the top tier games. I'd say it's one of the one of the one of the better games, though. But I mean, I, I wouldn't put it on the same level as some of the other ones. But I'd say it was uh,
0: definitely up there.
8: It's definitely one of the better early Coco one cartridges. Yeah, it's cartridges, it's,
0: it's a quality game. But when you look at something like Cashman with forty screens, uh, Cashman is a game where if you do bad you you want to say oh gosh i want to see if i can do a little bit better and get a little bit further i mean what's my motivation here oh i want to see if i can make it to the fourth canyon where it's like four times faster and it's just going to f me that much quicker <laughs> you know <what> i mean <laughs> this game doesn't really give me a lot of motivations or rewards to want to keep going at some point but down. how does
6: that differ from say donkey kong then like, um, the same thing donkey
0: well kong? donkey kong is i don't know why donkey kong was funner to play Um, like I said, this, you know, this is, this is the same three screens over and over and over again, and it just gets faster. (coughs) Donkey Kong, you got to clear certain screens to get to the next screen, you know, so it's not like you can see the elevators all the time, you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to work for the, get to the second and third elevator round and stuff like that, you know? So.
8: Yeah. And some of the patterns in Donkey Kong change too, like the barrels, you get the straight drop on the first rivet screen, then you get that semi-diagonal one, then you get the really diagonal one after that. So there's a little bit of difference your yeah, strategy yeah 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 yeah
6: I don't disagree with you I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate for yeah yeah you know no, no I hear what you're saying
0: just try to give you the best answer I could
6: yeah it's a good answer um yeah and I'm I not diss- this level really frustrating
0: yeah I'm not dissing the game it's a well-made game it's a fun game but it's just a game where I feel once you've done it a few times you've done it enough I I, I for this game wasn't a game I wasn't going to try to play all week you know
6: right yeah so I, didn't know, I, to. A, I
8: was going to play it the, the replay the
10: factor played. is not as good
6: yeah, well, it was an early game, eighty-two sixteen k So that that's part definitely part of the.
8: <laughs> I do remember
6: when it first. Challenge.
8: I do remember when it first came out, though. That explosion when you discharge the oh yeah. light on the screen was an amazing, amazeballs balls for me at the time. That was yeah, like, wow, and that, it still is. Cool.
0: It's a cool effect. Now I mean, you know, and the thing that I find interesting too is that not too long ago on Facebook, somebody posted a video where. There was the same version done for the Japanese so FM7 or whatever it was. It's a it's a computer that has the same VDG but a different CPU. The NEC. Right? Uh, NEC was that what it was? Yeah. Okay. And True. so and 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 James Garon so did that version for that one too. And I think the only difference was that 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 one had a sound chip, and um, it didn't have artifacts. But he used the P mode three Puyan palette which still has, like, the orange and the blue and everything, and, and it didn't look terrible. You know, the only thing that was different were the fonts weren't the high-res P-Mode 4 fonts. They were a little bit more um, pixely fonts, or some of them were, like, double-wide fonts, too. But I liked seeing that kind of P-Mode 3 alternate color set version of this game because the, the orange was orange, you know what I mean? So uh, most of the screens look pretty pretty similar.
8: I think the Atari 400-800 version, from what I remember, is pretty similar color-wise, too. <laughs>
0: that one was a lot slower that one had real browns because they had you know the 8-bit palettes but um it, i think it was more of a brown background but the atari version to me seemed really slow
6: so would this be one of the earliest games that was like poured other, on multiple systems including coco or it seem to me that coco didn't have a whole lot of games like that early on
8: It'd be one of the early ones, yeah. I don't, I don't don't think it's quite the earliest, but I
0: didn't even know that Cannon Climber was another system. Yeah, no. Well, this was because DataSoft and a number of the DataSoft titles were written for multiple systems at the same time. So this is, and this is a case where kind of like a clone. Became its own thing because it was a title, and this was a title that lived on multiple eight-bit systems at the same time. So it was, it was, it's like in a you know, it's an official game that's you know, an unofficial clone of another game. You know,
6: yeah. Oh, you and your commercials. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking
0: media whore. Nah, um, <laughs> hey, look at that guy. <laughs> Oh, uh, Diego was saying it was in the first games that he owned. That's cool, Diego. Uh, I remember having it. It was a fun game. I I just think uh, maybe
6: it's one of those ones that just didn't age well. I think at the time probably you were really impressed with it, and then now it's uh, it's uh, for some reason it's just didn't hasn't aged as well as others.
0: Possible. Yeah, I I just for me you didn't I didn't have this you, as a kid
6: though, Stevie. You didn't have this one.
0: Oh, I did. I had the cartridge.
6: Okay. Did you and did you like? Did you find you enjoyed it more back then, or um, the back then you were still kind of...
0: No, crazy? no, I played it. I enjoyed it, but like I said, we've had now have forty years, and there's hundreds of Coco games out there in the in the catalog. So, um, based on a lot of the other games I've played, this is not one I would spend a lot of time playing.
8: Right. It'd be a quick nostalgia trip for a couple hours and you year. Yeah, yeah. Done for another year type thing.
0: It might be fun if you had two people side by side sitting on the couch and you did a two-player to see who could get the best score. So that, like, immediate uh, competitiveness might be kind of fun. Yeah. All
3: right. I love the competitiveness.
8: Yeah, Frodo in the chat is mentioning he's played both the Atari and the Apple II versions. I've never played the Apple II version. And he mentions the Atari version had some issues with the low resolution graphics mode. Not sure exactly what, what the issue that was, but and uh, I mean, retro retro which I'm assuming is Aaron said, love that game much better on the Coco than the Atari Eight, but that's not something you hear every time. <laughs> 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 right. So,
0: for those of you who played it this week, what are your thoughts on the game?
4: I
6: don't know if many panelists played it this week. Did you? Did no, you I, it, right, Nick?
0: I
3: played it. it David did. It was interesting. Interesting
1: um, to get the level two.
3: <laughs> yes Yes.
6: i couldn't um, get past the first level, uh, the first uh three screens it was like terrible mm. uh,
3: yeah it it uh it definitely to me was donkey kong ish um because back th- my first games were of course on the atari 2600 and i of course looped donkey kong many <laughs> times back in the day and this game definitely would be one of those that would be interesting to see how far you
8: could take it legitimately without exploiting.
4: <laughs>
8: <laughs> like I said, watching that speed run that Steve was mentioning, we watched that other guy do. I had it on the Game On News segment months ago when we found it. And uh, the guy was just a machine because of those later levels, like you saw how fast the arrows were going when he wrapped the yeah. square on the bug there. Yeah. But I mean, literally, he this guy was running through it that way. And your your man speeds up that fast too, so... It was just That's
0: insane. Mm. Yeah, I remember Steve Bjork talking about this, how he tried having a conversation with James Garon about it getting too, too fast. And James was like, no, I like it fast. <laughs> I'm not changing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and
8: it. some players are skilled yeah. enough to do it. Screw that the video, player, so. right? So. Okay, so what's
6: the story there, Curtis? So Steve Bjork was involved with the game, even though he's not credited on it. Is that Well, well Steve,
8: Steve wanted to spread out the the credits somewhat. So, if, if if some of the other people at DataSoft had a bit more involvement, like doing graphics and sound and stuff like that, then he would give them some of the credits. Because otherwise, everything would say, you know, at least co-written by Steve Bjork. So, okay, Ger- Jerry Humphrey and and James Geron and others, they uh, Ralph Burris, I think, was another one too. That they, you know, they kind of split the credits somewhat. You know, kind of well, the opposite of what Atari did in the early days when they wouldn't let them, you know, authors get credited whatsoever. So they had to sneak them in as Easter eggs.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you have to limit how many names you can credit on there, but I, I don't know if Steve worked on this directly or if maybe it was just some of his engines or input. I, I kind of got the impression that he was not Steve was not the primary developer on this.
8: Yeah, I can't remember what he said about that. I know he was involved somewhat. He might have helped with some of the programming or something. I don't know yeah. exact details. And
2: it, was it was it James Garen who also went ahead and did that um, Puyan
8: Puyan yeah. 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 He's the one who really like that pastel color set.
0: Yeah. yeah The puke set.
2: <laughs>
8: yeah. I
6: was what trying to be for, like works the you said worked for pastel. this
5: case, though. It's interesting we're talking about um, Steve Bjork. I only found out yesterday that he actually authored the game that was my favorite game back in the day, Stella Lifeline. Absolutely. I had the cartridge. I've still got the cartridge somewhere. I just can't find it. But... Um, yeah, that was a bit of a bit of a pointless oh, trivia there. But anyway,
0: that one. well, I'm pretty sure his name's on the title screen. <laughs> it's not like he tried to hide that fact.
5: <laughs> well, his name's not on
6: this one, is it?
0: No, but Stellar Lifeline was through SRB Software. So, like on the oh, on the title goes. screen, yeah, it says it software. says Stellar Lifeline by Steve Bjork. copyright <laughs> SRB Software.
5: So. <laughs> back, then, back then, in the eighties, I didn't even know who Steve York was. Ah, <laughs> no. No. So, uh, but
0: now,
5: sorry. obviously, we obviously we do now. Oh yeah, <laughs>
6: yeah. Mm. So yeah, I'd say we had a it was a, a, a fantastic weekend. Twenty people, which are, yeah, which, yeah. Which, no, I had fun playing it. It's always a good turnout, and yeah, I mean that's the thing. Some of these games are going to be A level, some of them are going to be meh, but it's just about experiencing the games again. And yeah, i no, don't we think thinking words that are utter.
8: Hopefully it's not a horrible them. game by any stretch, for sure. No.
6: Like, like You probably won't see Predator appear, but hopefully hopefully, none of those caliber. Oh, we but have hope...
8: to have Predator appear when we have to watch David Ladd play like live. That's what we <laughs> really? have Really? Oh, yeah.
6: <laughs> so um, are we ready to move on to next week's game?
8: Uh... Is there anything else to
6: be said? Any,
8: any strategies anybody has besides the uh, cheat?
6: <laughs> oh, I, I used a, di- use a digital joypad. And again, if you hold it diagonally, uh, before you get to the ladder, then it makes it really easy to get the ladders. Hmm. Just like with Candy Company, people were complaining, "Oh, it's hard to get in the ladders." But no, okay. again, if you if you if you pre
8: uh, pre push the diagonal before you get to the ladder,
0: I tell you yeah. what, a game I would like to see on the challenge. I don't know what next week's is, but another DataSoft one, but something like um, Shooting Gallery. That's a fun game. Hmm. You know. Hey, I remember that one. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Um I'll mention it right now since you mentioned it. I do take I do take suggestions. If anybody wants to send me a message with and a game they'd like to see. Bribes. I do, I,
0: do you take bribes as well?
6: Oh well those those are uh those are enhanced suggestions.
0: <laughs> financial <laughs> those, those, those Financial those, incentives.
5: incentives. Alternative <laughs> suggestions.
6: Those go on a priority queue. <laughs> enhanced suggestions, I like it. Oh <laughs> yes, I do take suggestions because I'm going by what I used to play <laughs> as a kid, but I haven't played everything. So there's some things that I yeah, I noticed well you'd missed.
8: made some comments on some games, like when Aaron did his stream there, that you'd never seen some of those games before. No. So that's that's always the fun part is if you get suggestions of something you've never
5: yeah seen. Yeah, exactly. Well, given given well given that, I I would like to put in a suggestion sometime for Stellar Lifeline. I still love okay. that game. sounds mm-hmm. good.
8: And actually, out of curiosity, Nick, how far ahead in the suggestion box are you? Like, do you have like the next six months queued up? No, already,
6: no, no, no. I, I have a general guy. I have a general idea of, of of games, and I try to I try to pattern them in terms of you know Coco versus Coco three and port versus original. But I mean, I don't have. I, I I'm it's not like I, It's not in stones. Okay. You know, I've made last minute substitutions, for example, too. Uh, so yeah, I, of no, course, I def- like to, well, go Good. It's definitely not you know, planned out. Yeah, we can't plan
1: uh, it out too far in advance or else Mr. Dave will try to break into Nick's house and find the <laughs> list.
0: And <laughs> no. oh, uh, Canadian Retro Thing says, I second Stellar Lifeline. So we got a second vote for Stellar Lifeline. Yeah, that's a good original okay. game
8: too. So Excellent. Cool, cool. Now, yeah, I, I did want to ask Nick, uh, because Digger 3 is getting released next week, is that going to be up fairly soon? Oh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want
6: to talk with uh, I want to talk with Chet about that. But yeah, I was hoping to do it that week like when it comes out.
0: Coco Man has a game suggestion. He says the joystick test program from the Color Basic manual. So <laughs> we can get a high score, and and I, Color scripts sits <laughs> somewhere in the list, right?
8: Colour, score, oh, color script definitely yeah, I, I prefer Spectaculator myself,
5: but
8: a okay. <laughs> uh, high score
0: on uh, on the joystick. Math that's, tutor. That's math having a blast score. with the new that's... math tutor.
6: And I also welcome. Uh, I also welcome video recordings of uh, of playthrough that I, that I showed during this segment. Uh, I'm happy to show Stevie, but I'm not. If you have other ones. I'm. Nah. Uh, yeah,
8: but if you want to show more levels, we need to get some other input. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, but watching uh, him rage at it, shaking his <coughs> fists like he was in this video was awesome. <laughs> Curse you, Canyon Climber! <laughs> get him and are both on the same line.
7: <laughs> My choice is on um, Ron's Garage.
8: Okay.
6: You're for your game? Yes, I have to, I have to ask what that is. I forgot what you were suggested. I, to, I want to
8: get that. Defense. Right, get in touch with the Defense. Okay, excellent. Oh, the Missile Command clone. My Spectral. Mm-hmm sold by Spectral. We'll that's that's by a
7: pretty somebody.
4: good one. I love it. P fifty one and
8: share mode.
9: That would be a cool it, one. Sure, Stevie I would. T V and Chet, we'd like to see
1: that.
6: <laughs> well, send your suggestions uh, through uh, through uh, Discord to me, and um, or send them to Coco Talks. Send know a self-addressed
0: stamped envelope. To and,
6: uh, make, make check or money order payable to. Uh. That's right.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, re- yes, yeah, so I'm ready for next week's game. The suspense okay. is killing
7: me.
6: So, next week's game
7: is defense. Yay!
6: <laughs> Not yet.
7: Oh. Some bit of uh
5: Oh,
6: Rally S G. Rally S G. Latest, uh, the latest uh, by Nick Morenti. So this is a commercial game. However, it is a low, low price of five bucks. Is
0: that American? Five dollars American?
6: Five dollars
0: American. Okay.
6: So. uh, That's why he
0: can get those. um, That's why he can get those Ferraris because five dollars (sighs) American is like a million dollars Australian, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> it, it's
4: That's a really
8: good, Canadian.
6: It's a really good game. Uh, clone, heavily inspired by. I don't know what, what you want to call it, Nick, but it's definitely it's a Rally X uh, type game in uh, semi graphics. Um,
8: Works on any Coco one, two, or three with sixty four K RAM and the Dragon sixty four as well, I believe. So basically, you yes.
6: Basically, you collect the flags. So in this in this screen, you see there's your flags and the in the um, radar there, and enemies will also be in the radar flashing, and you just gotta avoid the cars and collect the flags, and uh, and then you also get these challenge stages every three stages, which is no cars, just gotta collect all the flags, but don't a time you don't tell you they don't tell you where they are, so it's very challenging. So it's an excellent game, uh, written by Nick. And uh, to get it, head over to Nickmarentes.com and you click on the Rally sg banner and you'll get to this page. And there's a handy dandy PayPal button down here. And then once you click it, the uh, the train monkeys will uh, mail it off to you.
4: What are you getting? 10%? Come
6: on. What are you getting? I'm not telling you.
4: 15?
6: My time is valuable. 15%? What are you
7: getting?
6: Come on. You know. Come on. Where, I, 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 do
7: okay. I do okay.
6: I do Okay. Hint, 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 Nick. Are you listening, Nick?
8: Yeah, I am. At this rate, Nick Morota's going to get paid more for Rally SG than Nick Moranti's.
6: This is a labor
1: of love. It's a (laughs) conspiracy.
6: I'm all all for. uh, I'm all for furthering the Cocoa hobby and showing off the uh, continued software and hardware that our developers are. Well, I don't do the hardware, but you know what I'm saying. I I, I support the further development that people are putting into the Cocoa, and it's, it's fabulous.
8: Yeah, we've is had it? a couple of good releases, right? Lately, too, we've had the Solo Poker by Paul Shoemaker. We've had Rally SG. Nick's, or sorry, Chet's uh, Digger is coming up. Nick's working on another new game. It's a good time to be a Coco guy, and if Nick for Gal,
7: is it true, Nick Marota, that you're starting your own show next week from the proceeds?
8: Um, <laughs> it, it depends how
7: Stevie treats me. I'm, 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 I'm keeping an open mind. <laughs>
6: Let's just let's just say I'm you know I'm I'm monitoring the situation.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 Stevie's
6: been great to me. This is fantastic. I enjoyed this. Hey, you know stuff.
7: I'm Italian too, man. Maybe couldn't <laughs> include me, you know, help me out a little bit. No, you know, nah, you know th- things happen. It'd be right? a shame if yeah. uh, things yeah.
6: happen, you know what I'm saying?
7: Because uh, Niggy, I'll send him over.
6: So that's our game for next week, Rally SG. So I hope you guys uh have fun with it this week and I look forward to seeing the, seeing what you guys do
8: with it. And no
6: breaking it, Tasman. And
8: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this week we'd be Buck Owens breaking it. So
6: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys.
7: All right. David O'Connor. Coco Coco S G. <laughs> Cocoa He's on, roll again. Do, uh, He's on roll.
0: Do, do we have Game On news to follow the Game
8: On segment? We boy? can. You want to go straight into it? Do you want a commercial break first? Yeah we, can, yeah, we can. Commercial, can, break, co- commercial, break, commercial
5: uh,
0: break. Okay, Ron Delvo needs a potty break. <laughs>
5: <All> right, <laughs> Which commercial so we'll do that? are we going uh, to break? Uh,
0: we are going to do shortwave.
1: All right. God. We will return after these messages.
3: Cocoa Talk is brought to you in part by PlaceBlex Dietary Supplement. PlaceBlex, we think it works. So will you.
7: It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. Well, oh, I remember that Christmas. Dad gave me my first shortwave radio from Radio Shack. What memories. This Christmas we got our son's Color Computer 3 from Radio Shack. It hooks right up to our TV and was on sale for less than $130. The Color Computer 3 makes learning fun. Jimmy even lets me use it for word process when he isn't playing computer games. Lucky I still got my shortwave.
11: Save $70 on the sale-priced Color Computer 3 only at Radio Shack.
8: Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie show.
1: Only the bravest souls enter.
4: Only the most cunning
8: Return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter Stolen by the evil wizard Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite
1: In the forest Of doom
7: For the tiny color computer one, two, and three
12: November 2017, if you dare.
4: This is Ken Breichert, author of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare, Nightmare Highway.
9: Highway. And you're experiencing. Cocoa talk?
3: Just when you thought it was safe to go back to Cocoa Fest.
7: Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway.
3: Coco Fest Edition? Still low resolution, still digital to analog converted sound. More machine language.
7: And basic Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway.
3: Now includes the power of Terry to clear the road ahead.
7: Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare highway.
3: Available as a DVD ROM with all my past games as an alleged bonus, including my unreleased fourth Rainbow Adventure contest entry. Unreleased for a reason.
7: Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway.
3: Get your physical or digital copy at cancanmakeit.com. Now you've really paid too much.
13: Big marionettes on...
2: Electricity.
4: Crikey! Electricity's a
13: fad! The biggest market is with open flame! Brought to you by Nigro ease of use edition. Hashtag os forever.
3: Welcome back, everybody. And now to the Game On News with Curtis Boyle.
8: Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone else. And if you guys are seeing that, I can proceed. Certainly am. Hey, so we got a twofer from Jim Gary today. One was actually released just literally this morning. So this first one is from earlier in the week. And, um... this is a complete remake of his M- original MC10 port for the Scott Adams adventure game from 1978 called Adventureland, and uh, he'd done an earlier version and he had to like you know cut down the text segments drastically from the original because of course he had to fit it into a 16K RAM expansion pack. So here he's done some you know different coding techniques etc to kind of shrink it down. So he's got the uh, descriptions and stuff a bit larger. They're not quite the size of the original, but they're much closer than they used to be. It also now completely runs out of RAM because the original version had to keep loading supporting files from tape as you were going, type thing. So this actually just plays generally smoother and faster. And also, includes includes some corrections. You had some spelling mistakes and stuff like that, and some bug fixes as well, although he didn't explain exactly what the bugs were. But if you're familiar with the Scott Adams Adventures, which is some of the very first 8 bit commercial adventure games for all computers, started on the Model 1. And uh, I think he was actually at Tandy Assembly as one of the speakers one year, wasn't he? If I remember correctly. Scott Adams, himself. yeah, the first hand assembly, yeah Yeah. so they're, they're, they're if you're into the text adventure game genre he's he's one of the you know the the people in the top of the top tier, uh along with you know some of the other ones, like the original colossal cave, et cetera, so pretty cool. he's done that updated port for the m c ten
0: I just noticed Frodo's posting the news links. How did we manage to acquire that deal there? Thank you, frodo <laughs>
8: <laughs> it wasn't me. I didn't arrange that okay. Is is the uh, Discord news suggestion or the news uh, summaries that's public? Um, be could be, yeah. Uh, yeah, the news suggestions are, yes. So much, much thanks to Frodo. Thanks for picking up the ball there.
4: Good Second
8: Jim game. Gary game is a Serious Adventure, which is originally by a guy named Laden Bauk. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. And this was originally published in a 1983 issue of 80 Micro, which was the my- magazine by Wayne Green Publications' that covered the model one the two the three the four etc basically the the z80 based machines so we ported this one over so that's two adventure text adventure games so if you're into the text adventure game genre you've got a twofer from jim gary this week which is cool this next one i'll let somebody else kind of talk about this but there was an official release of cosmic aliens after years of waiting that we finally got the game out go ahead (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I believe the best—I uh, believe the best term for this could be coined by Simon Jonason to say this is shite on a spade. Um, <laughs> 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 but yeah, my little pet project uh, has finally been released into the world, and um, through some—let's uh, just say—motivation or. Um, I don't know public ridicule, whatever you want to call it, but a few people had posted some comments on the Discord channel, basically reminding me, "Oh, it's been a here's a year's anniversary of no progress." So here's the second year's anniversary of no progress, and so I'm like, "Huh, I wonder if somebody's trying to give me a clue here." And so I went back to the source code and um, and I said, "All right, I gotta just release this." And I, I had other plans for the game, and the game is a is a long term project, but. Uh the the version I've released, which is written in Basic, is real was really just meant to be kind of a proof of concept. Like, can I recreate the core game elements of the original game? And if you're not familiar with the story, this is a game I wrote back in like 88. I wrote it in Quick Basic for MS DOS, and it was circulated through bulletin board systems, and through just sheer irony, I actually found the exe file floating on the internet. So I found the game and I'm like, Oh, this would be kind of cool to be, to do a cocoa project. As long as I've been in the cocoa hobby, I've wanted a project to do. And I noticed there are lots of people who actually not only do things, but even complete those things and deliver those things. And so I'm like, okay, I want to do a project. And so this was really my first cocoa project, writing a piece of software, pretty much finishing it and then releasing it into the world. Um, and, and it's there. And, to my surprise, number one, uh, people have downloaded it. I think I've got like 40 or 50 downloads. And and um, a handful of people have gotten a little bit excited about it. So Rob Inman is working on taking a version of this to work in RSB. Which is the Chris Burks, uh, you know, RS DOS Basic in OS9. So yep. I'm looking forward to seeing this working in in OS9. That'll be kind of cool. Uh, another person is working on a version that hopefully will be able to be compiled with the um, uh, what is it called, the, the C Basic3 compiler or whatever it is. Yep. So uh, so that'll be kind of interesting to see. And um and and um as we heard earlier from Cargo. Cargo, I think, is somewhat new to Discord, and I don't think he ever owned a Coco before, but he got a copy of the game, and he started messing around with the Play Command, and he actually changed a lot of the music. Like, I've got some Star Wars, some Close Encounters 2001 in there. He actually put some of the Last Starfighter music in there, so he was playing around with the Play Command and kind of changed some of the tracks, which I thought was kind of cool. That was unexpected. And uh, and then of course, and he also did that Cocoa Talk theme for us. So so the fact that a few people have have grabbed it and then like are doing something with it is is kind of cool. It's very unexpected. Um, I'm just kind of happy that it's out there, and and the version that's out there is is mine. There there were pieces of assembly code that John Strong had given me to speed it up, which I really appreciate him doing that. But I figured I want to release the game that was what the game I started. So I kind of reverted back about four or five versions before all of his augmentations and then took that and then moved it forward to what I ultimately released. And that's all I have to say about that.
8: Okay. I will mention, too, like you were mentioning, the RSB port, uh, which is running under iOS 9 that uh, Rob Inman has been working on. And I know they were having some issues because you're loading in your graphic shapes from a direct binary file. And I believe, David Ladd, you were involved with helping um, Rob starting to get that to work properly in yes. the RSP version? How, how, what's progress on that so far? Because I haven't had a chance to follow it lately.
3: I don't know, but, you know, I did something that many people don't do. I got out the manual and started reading through it. Can, can
8: you teach Nick Moranis how to do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: uh, what, read the manual? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm sorry, Curtis. That, that's I think, might be just a lost cause at this point, but... <laughs> what read the manual
8: <laughs> oh i guess he doesn't listen either <laughs> <laughs> so so That's you guys game. have made some progress though. I, I think i last i saw it sounded like um like the game itself is basically working but it's just getting blocks of color or yeah, something for the shapes
3: i don't know what rob's been up to because you know he hasn't been online when i have been Okay, Robin's
8: well, he just, commented. You just posted into the says, chat here. The page says loads, that
0: loads correctly. It just needs to get and put tweaks.
8: Yeah, because I think you load in a screen with has all the shapes of the aliens and the asteroids and soft. Yeah, it
0: stuff. loads it directly into where P mode one would be on a normal Coco VDG space. So with RSB, it's somewhere else in memory,
8: right? Because it's a yeah. Vert- so he just has to adjust where he's doing the, the load.
0: Yeah, if you can get it to load into the right spot, nothing should need to change because it should be able to just to get and put from wherever it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of figuring that part out, I think. So, yeah, Oh,
4: I he's think saying to, to, get and
0: put, to get and put coordinates need changes. Mm. Maybe it's not exact and maybe it's not loading at the exact top of the page. I'm not sure.
8: Yeah, the other issues too is if I remember correctly, like that's using level one graphics calls under Nitrous 9 and OS 9. And I believe, I hope I'm remembering this right because I haven't used level one graphics in a while. I think you only have P mode three and four. And I think you did your game in P mode one, correct? P mode one, yes. So he'll have to adjust the graphics to, hmm. to fit the P mode three, P mode four.
0: Okay. I'm not
8: sure yeah. about It's that. interesting that that's happening. And you're still planning on finishing your other bomb.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be hooking up the uh, Cocoa VGA today and finishing Kabom. And then um, and my next project, which has been another project I've been delaying forever, is to learn assembly. And so I want to start doing that Don and Kurt Inman book and just following that. And I'm going to follow the whole thing and do it all and then hopefully release another version of Cosmic Aliens in assembly language you know, as I learn it.
8: Cool. Now, are you planning on making that a video series like you did in the basic books?
0: I am. I am, and I'm going to do it a little bit different, because when I did the basic books, I didn't have a complete game plan, and I was just recording chapter after chapter. Um, What I'm going to do with this one is I'm actually going to go through the whole book before I record anything and do everything and make sure it all works because there were there were times like in the middle of my video i'm like thinking out loud like oh why is this not working or why is this you know so i i just want it to be a little bit more polished and so i'm actually going to go through the whole book i'm going to do all the lessons in the uh the notepad plus plus environment run through everything make sure it all works save them all out as virtual disks and then go back and record a series of videos that that kind of distill each chapter that's kind of the plan
8: Okay, so we'll eliminate watching you do all the typing mistakes.
0: Yeah, yeah, nothing's going to get typed. It's just going to be, here's the source code, here's what it's supposed to do, let's talk about that, now let's look at it. You okay, know. cool. So that's, that's actually a good what idea, what That's think. the idea, yeah.
2: What about trying uh, to use a, uh, one of the
0: compilers, learning to use, say, C-Basic? Mm, I, I, honestly, I, the, the reason why I don't want to do that is because I want to learn assembly. So it's just like trying to learn a compiler. It's just another crutch, enabler, excuse, distraction from not learning assembly.
8: So, And from what I've been reading from people that have been trying the compiler, including Bruce Moore and others, there are a lot of tweaks you have to do to get any of them to work properly. Yeah, that's kind of what
0: uh, Dave SL has been talking about right now. And that's the whole thing. So now it's just learning how to write my code to work in the compiler when I really should be learning assembly. So not that I don't think that's a terrible idea, but that's not – learning to use a compiler was never on my bucket list, but assembly is, you know, <laughs> so, um, and, and I've been thinking about, it. I know I've mentioned this before, like my next project after, as far as my next thing I want to develop uh, after Kabam, uh, you know, cosmic aliens will be an ongoing thing. I want to keep doing more and more versions of that, but I want to work on a, an adventure slash RPG game, And it's been something that's been in my mind for a while, and some of the inspiration there, Curtis, was when you showed a lot of those games on the Dragon that were kind of like Tex Adventures, but they had some augmentations to them, a little bit more on the screen, or just, you know, a new twist on the old trick type
8: thing. Yeah, quite a few of those, actually.
0: Yeah, so I want to do something like that, and, um, you know, where at its core it's going to be your semi-traditional text adventure, but I want to have a streamlined user interface and have some RPG elements and stats and stuff on the screen that are always there. So that's something I want to work on. And the more I think about that, the less I think about I want to start that off as a Cocoa first project. I think I actually want to write that one in something like a QB64, because I'm, I'm imagining an 80 by 25 MS-DOS screen. That's what I want this to work in. And I know we can do that on a Cocoa 3. Um, but I think I want to write a kind of MS-DOS-ish version first, finish it, and then backport it to the Cocoa. uh, Like you
8: did with Cosmic Aliens, actually. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just think it's going to be quicker to get it going, and and all of the logic needs to be figured out no matter what. And I just think it's going to be a little bit easier for me to design the screens exactly the way I want them first, and then figure out a way to backport it, so...
7: How about okay. something for the ladies? You could have cosmetic aliens. Cosmetic <laughs> aliens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
8: shoot the lipstick. Uh, by the, the way, is,
0: is, is anybody watching the uh, the Netflix series? Uh, the 8-bit? What's that What's that new thing that's on Netflix right now? High scores, you mean? High scores, whatever, because that's kind of what they were talking about, how miss Pac-Man was like, uh, yeah, I just put lipstick on it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. <laughs> and a bow. Lipstick and a bow, yeah, so we could do that. Put lipstick and a bow on the spaceship, so...
8: Actually, a really good series. Actually, one thing I haven't mentioned on the air, but I, I mean, everybody in the Discord knows about it on, on both Discords, actually, is I've found an old history of video game um, video podcast yeah. that was done back in 2007 by On Networks, uh, you know, stored away in one of my external drives here. Hasn't seen the light of day since 2007. The company that made it, On Networks, is long, long gone. So it's disappeared off the web. So I put all 10 episodes up on uh, my site. And uh, I posted links to it in both the Coco Discord and the Amigos Discord. So, if any of you want that history, which covers the, a bit of the arcade, mostly the home market up through up until the release of the Wii around that era. So, it uh, covers you know the original ColecoVision Atari and the, the wars between Atari and Nintendo and Nintendo and Sega and stuff like that. So, it's, it's a pretty interesting, they're nice short little episodes. I mean, back in 2007, it was shot in high def 720p, and it was like a quarter of a gig download for each episode, which in 2007 was a big, major concern for a lot of people with bandwidth caps and also speeds uh, back then being a lot lower than they are now for downloads. Now you can just download them quick, but they're about eight minute episodes each. So yeah, with uh, the 10 episodes, it's 80 minutes of content.
0: I like the Netflix series. It's very well produced. Um, it's it's informative, and for for if you've been following retro stuff, as Frodo saying, it's not necessarily any any earth shattering revelations in there, but it's just kind of seeing it picked up by a big network and seeing some modern audiences seeing this, um, uh, you know. So it's always good for for retro systems to get an exposure. I think Grant had asked a question, how much is the game? The game is free. Now, I have actually decided to release the game through Itch.io, which is something that Rob Inman recommended and recommended to Rick Adams to do for... Temple of Ram. And, and because the only thing I wanted to know is I wanted to be able to track how many people downloaded it just out of curiosity, you know? And I think it's gotten like 40 or 50 downloads. And so I had no idea how to track a link. Like if you just say, here's the link to download it, I, n- I don't know how to tell how many people have actually clicked on that. So I wanted to be able to have... Just that kind of record keeping, um, but it also has the ability for people to make a payment if they want to, but it is it's basically free, and I think I'll be using that for any future project just to release it through h i o for for tracking
8: and they have a donation page there too, and I think you've actually received some donations too have yeah I have actually some people have paid for it, which was
0: another surprise um, so and and uh, you know thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
8: it's kinda of like the nightmare Howie thing all over again. Yeah, right. So <laughs> apology up front. Uh, next step here. Speaking of the amigos here, Aaron, if you remember he did his um Atomic Coco, Atomic Pie project where he actually mm. did all the, the little you know video intros to all the games. And just I, I don't it coincidentally came up Set Tandy, which we'll be discussing a little bit later as well. <clears throat> but he basically, he's taken all the little clips he did for his friend end to have these little animated sequences of the games playing. So when you go you know, through, scroll through them, you can actually see the previews. You can see what the game really looks like. And he actually put together over an hour and a half of footage of a whole bunch of Coco games that he set up all these little videos for. So, And and they're not all Tandy. I mean, the bulk of them are Tandy release games and characters and stuff like that. And then he gets into some of the third party stuff. He's also got some patch ones here. Like, I don't remember skiing being patched for that RGB sets night skiing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That was a new one on me, but uh, yeah, he's got just I tons had, of stuff in here. I had a quick look through that
5: video and I noticed he had Stellar Lifeline at the, uh, about yep. the second yep. or third one in.
8: Demon attack. You, a few of these weird screen size changes. I'm not sure what exactly happened there. Maybe it was how I was recording them. Maybe someone's on real Cocoa, someone's on an emulator or something, but. Anyway, if you want this to see is, a whole uh, slew of Coco Games rapid fire uh, for over an hour and a half. The only thing that's missing here
0: is Rick Adams and a ukulele in the background. Got some time to kill yeah. play a little <laughs> Zach song. Check out those <laughs> Yeah, shoes. you could it in the same order. Or
4: just,
5: just <laughs> yeah, the, sh- the graphics, on, those graphics on those shoes is really, really That scary. is really good, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That,
0: they're like, casual. G- uh, so. Give me X. <laughs> <laughs>
8: And speaking of live streams here, uh, we've had Simon on the show, not on the show itself, but we've had his videos on the show before. So he's a guy in the UK and he's got a Dragon 32. And he's been doing these live streams on his Twitch channel, which he then reloads. Oh, hey, to Curtis, YouTube.
0: can I just interrupt real quick? Yeah, Too late. Um, speaking of dragons, so on the disk image that you can download for Cosmic Aliens, um, Karen, who has written the x emulator, I kind of asked him, literally at the last minute, it's like, hey, any chance if I gave you this source code, could you... You know, maybe make a dragon disc for me. And in about 14.2 seconds later, he sends me <laughs> back um, a kind of a hybrid disc image, I guess what David called the schizo disc. But it's a disc image that um, if you boot it on a dragon, it's dragon formatted. If you boot it on a Coco, it's Coco formatted. So Cosmic Aliens that is released does run on the Dragon 32, and, and I tested it in x So I wanted to say thank you to Karen for doing that.
8: Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize he'd done that. Yeah. <clears throat> And that's kind of like the schizoid that David did for Nitrous Nine and Aristos too. Yeah, that you you know both in the same. All right, back to Simon here. So he does these live streams and he does long plays. He doesn't do the quick you know, ten minute things that most most uh, YouTubers do. Um, so in this case here, he did a, a, a stream that was almost three hours long and it's only three games. So it's okay. Frogger, and you can see on the splash screen here, it's the Dragon Thirty Two version that was licensed to Microdeal Cornwall. Uh, then he also did Screaming Ab Dabs.
0: Which we've seen retro Rob do, yeah. The lava lamp guy, Geiger Punk, right? Is that his name?
8: Yeah, yeah. And then he also did Caverns of Chaos. That looks cool. Roughly about an hour. Yeah, the animation on this one's actually quite good. I, th- I think we've shown this one too a long time ago as well. But
5: <laughs> I love the, mini- the little they, stick they, legs as they move. That is so cool. <laughs>
8: <laughs> uh, those,
5: those balls that remind me of the bouncy ball demo.
8: Yeah, and then he's got that little uh, screw that's going, you know, the flathead screw that's yeah. spinning around, which is kind of cool too.
0: This it's has nice. shades of a little bit Apple II on there with the kind of uh, reverse ending or of XORing of the black and white graphics.
8: Yeah, yeah. And then the third one he did was Caverns of Chaos. Which I think we've also demonstrated a long, long time ago. But yeah, he plays them and he goes through multiple screens because most of these games are multiple screens except for Frogger, of course. Uh, but he actually goes through and you get to see you know a lot of the gameplay instead of just the first screen or two like a lot of the videos we've shown in the past. So if you want to see a more in-depth view of these Dragon original games, definitely worth it. I, I, one of these days I'm going to have to try to actually catch him live and see if he's got his chat open too. Because I can consist, like there's been some, you know, Coco conversions to the Dragon lately that pairs helped me with, like the 6-8-9 optimized color car action, or even the 6 through 9 versions that I'm not sure if Sam's actually aware of, or Simon's actually aware of.
12: So it'd be interesting to see if uh,
8: we can try those out as well. I like games like, oh, dude!
0: Hey, Bert! Hey,
9: Bert! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
8: So this is a YouTube channel I've never seen before. It's called Cloudy Eggs. And he did a comparison of the educational game Ernie's Magic Shapes on various platforms, starting with the Cocoa 1, which I believe is actually the earliest version, or at least the second earliest. He also did reviews and and video uh, footage of the Atari 8-bit, the Apple II, DOS's CGA, the NES, which I didn't realize even had the game. And the VTech laptop, which if Aaron's still in the chat, I th- I'm sure he remembers the VTech episode of ARG Percents. Apparently, there was a C64 version too, but all he could get was the initial loading screen, and then it crashed. So the version mm. that he had didn't work. So uh, for any of those who've not seen Ernie Magic Shapes, it's it's a you know a young person's game. Obviously, it's a, to match like a triangle a triangle, a rectangle a rectangle, a rectangle a parallelogram, etc. Hey, With some nice little you know, animations and yeah, happy rabbit, you know that kind of thing. So, this here is the Atari 8 bit version, which looks very similar. It does. The color palettes are a little bit different. A little, yeah. Here's the Apple II version, which has better looking graphics, but much slower. So, it's kind of a hit or miss. Like the Rabbit, once you see it, is, is quite, quite more detailed than the other versions. The uh, triangle's tiny too in that one. Let me find the rabbit
5: here. Hey, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. That's the first thing I thought of when
4: I saw it. <laughs> <Again>? <laughs> oh, look at that. Huh. So
8: that was an interesting version of it.
0: Does he have a video of the Vita? Oh, that looks very Coco ish, but this is more like PC than higher resolution. Yeah, this
8: is the, the DOS CJA. Okay. Yeah. But the, color, the colors. In fact, the color palette is the color computers. Oh, uh, yes. palette They didn't use. Yeah. The green, yellow. Uh, the red's a little bit lighter, I guess, but the yeah. blue. That's basically the P mode, you know, you know set, color set zero. The Cocoa version chose color set one for some reason with the pastels. I'm not sure why. I what think it? probably because the Ernie colors are a little bit closer to what the original show is. Hmm. And here's the NES version, which of course is hyped up with sound and animation. And then the VTech laptop.
1: Hurry, hurry. <coughs> hey, I, I, okay, okay I'm doing it. Relax. Yellow. That's not it. That's not it. That's the not it. That's not it. They're the same. Press the green button.
2: The only looks more detailed in this version. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not, not as animated, though. So.
8: <laughs> so this was a little educational system. Aaron probably knows more about it. <laughs> Aaron says in the chat, "V equals quality." He's being uh, as sarcastic as. Well, right? here the funny
0: thing is, is I, I still we have it somewhere in a box. But when my oldest daughter was little, we had a console that was called V Smile and it was kind of like an 8-bit looking game console of cartridges but they were all uh educational based and this was you know by early 2000s and so to my knowledge that's probably the last time a rom cartridge based console unit was ever produced you know cuz the last one i can think of was like the nintendo 64 as far as like a real game system but this v smile game system had cartridges with like you know barney and uh you know Sesame Street and all kinds of stuff like that for kids. Um, so same company, Vtech made this V Smile yeah. kids. And I'm trying to remember. I think console. it's
8: Vtech that made. There's a, there's a much more modern uh, Vtech which has a small color LCD screen on it, mm-hmm. and it actually downloads its software off the internet. There's no oh. cartridges, There's no n- disc or anything else. Still educationally based. Yeah. And I think a friend of mine actually had got it for the young son, and. Um, I mean, it has, like, a, a real sound chip in it. It's got not the fastest graphics, but it's a fairly small LCD screen, but it's made to look like a mini iPad. Okay. It's cool. even got a little pen stylus thing with it.
0: Hey, look at that. have look, even got Rick, a mouse. Rick, Rick Ulan's got something there.
8: Oh, I <laughs> can, a can so You want me to stop sharing and reshare so Rick can show that?
9: Oh, no, it's not important. I just thought it was interesting. I had one in my pile of eBay resources. Hold on. Let me,
0: let me switch real screens here real quick. Uh, Rick, try it again. Okay. Well,
9: here's a, a VTech. With a mouse, no less. No no steel balls in the mouse, but, uh, you know, not everyone can have balls of steel. But I believe it has the
4: <laughs> color LCD
9: screen and, uh, yeah, looks like a laptop. has a better keyboard than some of the laptops I've owned.
8: <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, as, as Frodo points out, VTX makes quite a few educational systems still, and I think that is true. I think I've actually seen them in Walmart even just this past Christmas. Uh, shopping season and i know they, they've kind of followed the trends of the of the main market so this would have been like a mini you know sort of folding laptops we're looking at here and then rick has the more advanced you know quote-unquote real laptop style and then of course now they're doing tablet versions as well so they seem to follow the general computing trends um just making it you know educational for kids and yeah, definitely nice. toned down hardware of course or sucker some tech, of them, as, as aaron calls it
10: i know some of the models they made uh were Z eighty based, but uh, I know one of them was just basically a um, a modification of their uh, Laser one twenty eight circuit. Hmm. So it was basically an Apple two at heart.
0: Uh, Frodo is saying that they're even bigger in the home phone business. It says that AT and T cordless home phones are often made by V Tech, for example. Yeah, I think seem to remember vtech Tech.
8: Yeah, I think I've
0: heard cordless phones and even like baby <laughs> monitors and things like that too. Yep. So.
8: Um, yeah. I know they're huge in the educational market because I've seen them around for decades. No. You know, selling, you know, various educational electronic tr- electronic games as well as, you know, computer
10: stuff. Yeah, they've got some sort of little box and a uh, leap pad or something like that. or And then you can buy all kinds of educational stuff for it.
0: Yeah. Now, this, this um, VTech one is much more newer than the early 80s. One right, so this game, this, this Ernie's Magic Shapes, has lived for a few decades. I'd have to say, then, right?
8: Yep, <clears throat> yeah, I think the Cocoa one came out in 83 or 84, maybe 84. And then, I some of the other ones, like the NES version, came out, I think, like in 86, 87, or somewhere around that time period. Um, so even that, that particular game was re released on various platforms over a span of like half a decade, and this might even be later than that. I'm not sure when this, this one came out.
9: Yeah, VTech runs from like 95 to the present, as -hmm. far as what I've found in resale.
8: Okay. Okay, so this would be like 10 years after the original Ernie's Magic Shapes on the Cocoa and the Atari and everything else?
3: Yeah, the company that did the uh, that game uh, for the Sesame Street, they did at least two other ones that I know of, uh, Big Bird Special Delivery, um, Taxi, so they've had several for the Coco of different Sesame Sesame Street based games. Yeah, that was the children's computer
0: workshop, right? So instead of being the yeah, television yep. workshop, right? So,
8: Aaron's mentioned, because they actually did an ARG present special on the Socrates, which is an early, early VTech and he said that was out in 1988, so they've actually mm. been around for quite a few decades now. Cool. And Rob Inman mentions <clears throat> one of the Brit YouTubers just did a whole VTech overview and then gives a link to it. So I haven't seen that one yet, so i will be interesting to see. This next one, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Sep Tandy. I think we've mentioned it before, but basically it's a whole bunch of different YouTubers kind of gathering around the theme of talking about Tandy computers. Now, this includes the Coco, it includes the Tandy 1000 series. It includes the original Model 1, 2, 3s, And there's been quite a bit of Cocoa content out already. In fact, I'll be covering several of those in the news here, but this is one that's more game related, so I stuck it here. So this is an interview that uh, Dave Just Dave did with Ken Williams of Roberta and Ken Williams fame, the husband-wife team that formed Sierra Online. And, uh, you know, started off with... Uh, what was their first game? It was on the Apple II. It was a basic mystery house or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and then they went on to do the entire, you know, AGI-based stuff, which is like the King's Quest, the Leisure Suit Larrys. I mean, some of them they wrote themselves, some of them other programmers, but they all sold them under Sierra. So this interview... Uh, goes on for about three quarters of an hour, and they go through some of the history. And uh, it being sip Tandy, they're concentrating a bit more on the Tandy side. They explain how Tandy basically rescued Sierra because Sierra had gotten a contract with IBM to make a game to show off the IBM PC Junior, which has the same three voice sound chip and the same 16 color graphics mode the Tandy 1000 ended up having. But of course, it was a flop because it was overpriced and they had a really crappy IR keyboard with kind of a chiclet style that was even worse than the Cocos was. And uh, they were actually in in, in a bit of financial straits at that point, because the older games they had had stopped selling, and the newer one, the PC Junior, bombed. But they got really lucky, because at the time, IBM was under antitrust investigation, and there was talk about breaking them up. And they were trying to avoid getting nailed for antitrust stuff all the time. And this happened with Microsoft, too, with the DOS thing, because basically IBM on their contracts, both with Microsoft and with Sierra, basically said, we encourage you to make ports to other computers to prove that we're not trying to be a monopoly. And this gave them the, uh, the ability that when the PC Junior bombed and that could have taken the whole company down, that instead they just managed to transition it straight to the Tandy 1000. And it was available pretty well immediately when the Tandy 1000 was released. And that's where it took off because the Tandy 1000 took off because it was cheaper, had a real keyboard. You know, it was just a generally better machine. And then the King's Quest series just started selling like gangbusters on it. And that actually relaunched the company for you know decades to come type thing. So they actually was they were saved by Tandy, which is not something you hear every day. <laughs> but it's a really, really good interview. The Kogo is mentioned. Um, I've got the clip right here at this point. I could actually play about a minute of it if you want to hear about it. But basically, it's just going through the fact that they were talking about backporting these like they have the general AGI interpreter, which is an interpretive language they wrote themselves. To design adventure games, the graphics, how they all interlink, and they were talking about the fact that, like the Coco, when they did the port, there they had to redo it in assembly language instead of the plain interpreter language because we didn't have the horsepower to be able to do like you know background music and and you know some of the graphics stuff because we're also only running one point seven eight megahertz and the Stevie, you can probably correct me, but did in the Tandy one thousand start at least at four point seven 7? seven, yeah. And I think fairly shortly they were running at 7 or 8 megahertz. I think, with the Dash 2s, if I remember correctly. So I'll play a little bit of a clip. It's a really good interview. Ken Williams actually has a book coming out on some of the history of some of this stuff, too. Um, There's been a couple history books written on on Sierra. I think Roberta's wife actually written one, too, more on the design of the games, because that was more her role. And Ken was a programmer. I mean, he was working on compilers before he started working on games in the late 70s. So. I'll just play a little short
1: clip for this as part of the Sep Tandy thing, but definitely worth, that's a good interview. Right. It's a byte code for all these that different platforms that you support it. Right. It's I good. noticed, uh, aside from the Tandy 1000, you had several titles for the, for the Coco, um,
11: yeah.
1: for the, for the Tandy color computer. Now, I, I don't remember if those came before or after, uh, King's quest. Uh, but I know that you ported several titles and you ported, um, um, I believe some of the, uh, some of the Japanese games over too. And, uh-huh. and I, uh, I I remember reading that uh, some of those machines had limitations. Like I think Leisure Leisure Suit Larry, uh, uh, when you had to move, the music would stop playing because the machine can't handle all that. Right. right. It's definitely true. Yeah, and some of those machines we had to recode in Assembler because they were gutless machines. I mean, in some ways our compiler helped because we compiled to um, what we used to call P-code because... um, Pascal at the time was a
14: C-like language that worked kind of the same way. And it would compile to P code and have an interpreter. And it was part of where I got the idea from. But um, the problem with an interpretive language is it's, uh, it's a pig, it tends to be a little bit slower. It'll be real condensed and um, offer platform independence and processor independence, but it also comes with being slow. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for some of those machines, we had to recode an assembler. And that was
8: the only option. Same. I mean, he calls it gutless, which is a bit of a gut punch. But on the other hand, at that time, that's actually true. I mean, we didn't have a real sound card because Tandy had canceled the Deluxe, which actually would have had a built-in sound chip. And, you know, he didn't speak any untruths there. And they did get it working, and it runs pretty good. And, I mean, part of the Nitrous 9 ease of use project is we're going to try to recode the EOU, or sorry, recode the uh, AGI. Uh, interpreter in the cocoa to be six through nine and maybe see if I can optimize the six out nine while I'm at it, but we're going to try to speed it up a bit and maybe even start supporting some of those sound cards in the future. Once I figure out formats, et cetera.
0: That'd be Since interesting. If you know. Yeah. Um, I see again, there's a lot of things that the cocoa three did that I wasn't aware of, at the time for myself because I kind of moved to the Tandy 1000. And and for me, this was, this was one of the reasons, uh, the, the, the primary reason was, you know, when I went to college and I was trying to learn how to do stuff, you know, it was all on IBM PC based stuff. So I needed a quote unquote PC, but to, to be honest, obviously to be able to play some awesome games was another motivation for me to want to get that. In fact, I worked at Radio Shack and all that kind of stuff helped. But, um, yeah, to me, this, this software sold the hardware, and to have those uh, Sierra demos in the store, the fact that Tandy 1000 had 16 colors where most PCs at the time, IBM PC compatibles were running on four color graphics, right? The original CGA color graphics adapter only had four colors, um, single voice music, one bit sound. So the, the PC, the original PC was not the best for games, uh, where the Tandy 1000, I kind of look at it as the first quote-unquote gaming PC, right? Because it had better colors, better graphics, and music, and things that a standard PC didn't have. Um, and and it was a huge motivation for me to be able to play these games on my Tandy 1000, because it was just a cool experience—the colors, the graphics, the animation, the music—it was the whole package, you know. So um, that's very cool that this interview was able to be had I definitely want to hear it so uh,
8: yeah and his book sounds really interesting too yeah. which is actually coming out this month i believe and, and on
0: the on the plus side for the coco while Officially, there was only a handful of these games that were released through Tandy and Sierra.
4: Two. <laughs> well, uh, two, two.
0: two
8: of the official, you know, the the Coco Three style graphics ones, and then okay. they did some of the earlier Mickey Space Adventure and as Donald far as X's the Playground.
0: yeah. But uh, because that interpreter is there, and you can run anything through that interpreter, there are dozens of Sierra games and fan created games that are running on the Coco Three. <laughs> So, uh, and, and the cool thing about it being interpreter based is if you can tweak that interpreter, that's a win for all the games, right? So, if exactly. you can optimize it and make it faster, if you can get it to support sound, then boom, all those games should benefit from that right away. So, that would be a huge. That is the plan. Yeah, that would be huge to be able to do that. It'd be
8: huge. And thanks to Guillaume Major for actually doing the porting of all those, because actually, all of those, like we originally only had King's Quest III and Leisure Suit Larry of the of the coco three level agi games and then like i like we said we've got some earlier educational games that were done before the engines were you know completely done for the agi and pre-tandy 1000 and he's ported pretty well everything that ran on that engine including about half a dozen homemade ports and then we've got king's quest one through four we've got space quest one and two we've got uh, manhunter we've got you know basically the entire library that they did that ran under that engine before they upgraded to the newer engine which support VGA graphics and even more than three voice sound, uh, we have them all, and they're on their Color Computer archive.
4: Yeah. <clears throat>
8: and as you mentioned, I mean, if we can upgrade the engine itself, either for the six three nine or for sound cards or both, then uh, every one of those games will benefit. So that is that is in the plans. I'm not. I can't give you release dates or anything. No, no, sure no,
0: no. And falling, and the, but, yeah, yeah, what I loved about this too was th- this was neat because. Uh, because that whole idea, which was brilliant when you think about it, that we're going to write the game interpreter, all they have to do is kind of like what uh, Zork right? With the, the Z engine? Yeah,
8: Infocom. Infocom, yeah, and right? And Scott Adams that we mentioned earlier, he yeah. did that so,
0: so these games lived on a variety of systems, and I remember seeing Space Quest on my friend's Amiga at the time and saying, oh, isn't this so cool that you have it too? And actually they had, because they had better colors, the color palettes was a little bit better. Uh, and I remember hearing the Leisure Suit Larry on the Apple II GS, and it was like 11 voices of music, and it blew me away, because I remember hearing the three-voice version on the Tandy 1000, and there were like instruments on top of instruments on top of instruments playing on that thing and i was like holy crap um they're also mentioning rob is mentioning thexter and Silfeed. uh it's amazing they got thexter on that 32k ROM. to be honest as much as we want to criticize some of the shortcomings of it the fact that they could squeeze it into that cartridge (laughs) yeah and it runs as fast especially on uh, nitrous 9 as it does is impressive
8: yeah actually runs faster than nitrous if you like i have a defaulting to the regular game speed but that's that's the middle range of the speed settings you do so you can actually change that but yeah no they did they did a lot of good work and i mean they they covered the education market they covered the adventure market they covered the arcade market <clears throat> i remember the advertising for the king's quest 3 the box package and i think thexter had it too like they said you know over half a million sold this is on all platforms combined but yeah at that time that was huge i mean you didn't see numbers like that except for dedicated game consoles and even then, only on certain games.
0: Yeah. No, they kind of owned the world for a while. But they were, de- were delivering a quality product, a cl- quality experience that was pretty much the same for all systems. So, um, it was really cool stuff. A lot of um, the 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 Roberta and Ken stuff, like King's Quest, very story-driven, very character-driven, very fairy tale driven But then you got into something like Space Quest, which was different. Uh, creator. So was, that was like Mark Crow was one of the creators there. Yeah, the, the and so, humor team. The humor team. So those got to be a little bit more humorous. And then you had like the Owl Low with the Leisure Suit Larry, which was humorous and a little bit swanky. But it was neat that they could kind of appeal to a, a variety of audiences. Do you remember in Leisure Suit Larry you had to answer questions to verify how, how old yeah, verify you were? Age. You know what I mean? And we think about it now. Those questions are so... Uh, out of date. I, I would have a hard time remembering. <laughs> to answer them, but well, the that funny was... thing
8: is, it's easier for kids now. They can they can load up Leisure Suit Larry and they just Google it. Just Google, bang yeah. bang bang, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> and then they, they even that that same AGI engine did some games that were quite different, like Manhunter. Like it's a very serious game compared to say you know a Leisure Suit Larry or a Space Quest, but it's it's not as much of the walking around thing. There's a lot of more different types of gameplay but using that same engine like you have the one part where you have to spread your hand out your fingers and you have to take the, the knife and just jam it through your fingers oh I love the
0: mini games they had in there too and Police Quest was another great series too yeah that and that was, I was actually first... written
8: by a police officer that yeah. had been in the force for twenty thirty yeah. years so they were they were good games And that's it for the gaming news, so I will stop the sharing for now. And I do have some regular news if you want to get into those, or if you want a commercial break, or if you want to do something else.
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess we could do a commercial break, and then we'll come back with news news. Does that sound good to you, David Ladd?
8: Why, yes, it does, Stevie.
0: (laughs) We can move on when you are ready. All right, well, we're going to take a commercial break, and then what will we be back with after the break, David Ladd?
3: Oh, I don't know. I guess we'll just be... uh... News mm-hmm. with Curtis Boyle. Yes,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He missed right. catching the softball. All right. <laughs> we'll be back after these words.
4: <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, talk, will <laughs>
12: Un ordinateur couleur quelle a de personnalité, le Coco 2 de Radio Sac.
5: On solde pour Noël à partir de
4: 149,95.
3: And now, Coco Thought by Samuel Gines. If you're using your color computer in Quebec and it stops working, is it now a cocoa
4: won't do?
7: Hi Ron Delvo, Timberman, Cocoa Fest. Coco Timberwolves.
3: In a world where RGB produces black and white video,
1: One cable can make a difference.
3: Coco3SCARTCable.com. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk. The nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer.
0: What's going on, everybody? Original gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get Ama coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a T-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you.
3: Radio Shack store-wide manager's red tag sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio
12: Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Floppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk.
4: From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught
8: up on news from now.
11: And now a Muppet News Flash.
8: I think it's so cool I get compared to a Muppet.
0: <laughs> Muppets have much more personality.
8: That's true. <laughs> they speak more intelligently too, and use bigger words. Um, so, first, I just want to make one comment here, uh, based on some the chat that went through here uh, that are caught up on during the break. So, they're talking about the fact that he, you know we called the Coco gutless because uh, it wouldn't be able to handle the background sound. Now, as we've discovered, if if the programmer knows what they're doing, like a Chet Simpson or a Nick Marentes or a Jeff Steidel or some of these other people. Uh, that did games like Contras and Pac-Dude Monster Maze and you know stuff that has background music. The Coco is fully capable of doing it. Now, the problem was they had to do it under OS 9. And, and there's a th- reason I think they chose that. These games were large. King's Quest III, if you remember, actually had five double-sided discs you had to keep swapping back and forth. And I think the reason they chose OS 9 is that Tandy did have official hard drive support in OS 9 and actually sold hard drives for it. And the third-party market with Burke and & Burks and Cantons and a whole bunch of others did too. And there's instructions in the manual for all the Sierra uh, games uh, of the Coco 3 era that actually tell you how to put it on a hard drive. And it runs much faster and much smoother on that. And I think Sierra did not want to bother having to write custom hard drive drivers for every single hard drive under the sun. SCSI, IDE, the Tandy, whatever that was used. I think it was um, Sassy. There was a bunch of different you know, standards and different interfaces for it. I think they chose OS9 because then they didn't have to write that. At all, they didn't even have to test it; it was already done for them, and that was the reason they chose it. But os was is more limiting when you're trying to control the hardware at that low of a level to do background sound and stuff. So I think that was the reason that they chose that route.
10: Well, he also said. Also, keep it, in uh, mind that uh, it depends on how efficient their compiler was, too. Well,
4: because they did rewrite an assembly
10: on, on the Coco,
8: so. And Nick, you had a comment too. Oh no! I was
2: just thinking, did they do that, or was he mixed up his facts? I would have thought it would have been easier to just transfer the the original C code, and then there's
8: compilers under OS nine. I I don't think he specifically used C. He, he mentioned like on some of the platforms, that Coco included, they had to rewrite it in assembler because it was just too slow. because um, they have their own their own interpreter on top. of It called P code or, or it was similar to P code. Anyway, it was more like the Pascal style or like Run-B uses, you know, the uh, I code type stuff. So it was a All right. partial, not a full uh, compiler. So I think that was, was part of it. But I think the reason they chose to do it under OS 9, besides from Tandy kind of pushing it at the time, was that they wanted to be able to run off a hard drive because it just runs so much smoother than swapping five disks and flipping them upside down every second time you change a scene. Because literally there was, depending on some of the routes you took, you'd have to f- swap the disk like every second scene type thing. Like it was annoying as hell until you got a hard drive or a 720K flobby, which unfortunately Tandy never standardized on either. So anyway, a little bit of trivia there. And then on to the regular news. Are you guys seeing that? Yes. Yep. All hey, first up, Todd Wallace, Lord Dragon. He's just been a, a machine with doing OS9, Nitrous 9 utilities lately. He did the, the IBM font, which is actually shown in a little screenshot there. Um, and he's been doing other stuff lately. Now he's just came out with a program that will actually format fat 12 ms dos discs on your coco under nitrous 9 and he's actually tested it on a real pc in fact the video shows this and i might even play because i don't think it's too long but uh you get now if you have a, a real pc with a 720k or 360k disc drive and you have the same drive on your coco you can actually create the discs on the coco copy files to it take it to the pc copy them straight the pc copy stuff off your pc onto that disc put it in the coco read them directly back in so you actually can do sneaker net between the two
13: so I'll just play this little video. So I had an idea to write a program to format an MS-DOS PC-compatible disk using the Cocoa because, ironically, some of these PC drives, um, USB-based that you get, are not capable of formatting a double-density double-sided disk. High-density ones, usually they can do. Um, but this command usually... Let's Windows know what you want to do. That is a double density disk and not a high density disk. But uh, this disk was formatted uh, using OS 9 with the standard uh, Coco format. And now it just has no clue what to do. So you get an error like that. Sometimes you get like an I.O. control error. It just uh, doesn't work. So over here on the Coco side is the program I wrote. I call it DOS format. And you can read what that says. Here is MS format party.
0: was taken. It says a little note there.
13: goes into the Coco. We'll try to do the one-hand typing thing. I'm not going to verify because it takes quite a while on the Coco for some reason. So you can see I made it look just like MS-DOS because uh, I find that amusing, but uh, <laughs> there <it goes. laughs> Is as that his, an official uh,
8: DOSter also a as a look and down. feel of MS DOS?
0: Is that an official Tandy Seven Twenty K floppy? Speed this up.
8: What do you mean by official?
0: There was it was a uh, looked there. like it was in a five and a quarter inch there. chassis, but he had a three twenty in right. there, a three and a half inch in there. That see that?
8: Tandy Tandy never sold so those, but I have those in my, my okay. Tandy. Again, just like Foxes
13: us, too. we shall call this. Even has the volume logo. label command. Yep. Mm-hmm. Rules. So now it's going to create the file system, which takes a second. It's writing uh, the boot sector and all that good stuff. And there you go. Formatted MS-DOS disk over to the PC. All right. Floppy disk. USB floppy drive. I'm going to do a good old-fashioned
0: I wonder if Check it's just this. because it's USB. I wonder if you had a physical drive, if you'd be able to do that lower density format. I think it depends but, uh, on the, the controller and
8: the software. I mean, like older versions of Windows had no problem doing this kind of stuff, the, same the newer thing. ones so, seem to have, um, like they've
4: kind of the dropped the backwards compatibility. Too. I
13: actually um, checked the time on OS 9 and- go, go rules, there's the volume labeling yeah. The DOS format and that should be legit. Cocoa rules. One last thing. Unfortunately, there's really no easy way to boot a DOS disk off of a modern PC, so I had to just read an image of this disk, and I'm going to boot it real quick in this uh, virtual machine just so you can see what happens if you try to boot off of this floppy on an actual old DOS machine. This using so a Tandy Color Computer running Nitrous Nine. Um, so Nitrous Nine represent Color Computer. Um, you know.
4: That's so, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
8: yeah. So it's a, it's a really cool project. It does duplicate something that was done back in the late eighties, mid to late eighties okay. uh, by a company called Clearbrook Software Group out of Vancouver, I believe. Yeah, uh, they had they had a whole MSF file manager which was basically to natively handle MS DOS disk at full speed on the Coco three, under and it required the SDOS or S-DISC three disk driver which is much more advanced than the Tandy one, and it came with a whole slew of utilities for formatting, setting attributes, copying files between OS nine and and MS DOS at full speed. He mentions that it's quite slow doing the verify and there's a reason for that. The current driver that the Coco has with Nitrous nine in the public distribution and in EOU at this time is set up basically to default to 256 byte sectors, which is what we've always used. And MS-DOS uses 512 byte sectors. It does a hack to read in and write the sectors, but it does it in half size chunks to make it compatible with the OS 9 side of things. So what is happening is that when you try to write something, it'll have to read in the original sector and then say, I'm rewriting the first half, the first 256 byte sector. And then it'll write that out. And then when you write it right at the second half, it has to reread it back in and then overlay the second half and write. So basically, it's doing everything twice is what it's doing. And the MSF package that was on sale in the 80s did not do that. It actually reserved a full K because it actually handled 1K byte sectors as well. And that ran at full throttle. So one of these days, I'll, I'll have to go into the disk driver and actually have it pre-reserve the 5128 buffer and then make it smarter to cache the sectors and then you only flush them out if you haven't written anything in like five seconds or something like that. And then it should greatly speed it up. And I know he's, he's working on some other stuff, too. He wants to do some more MS-DOS compatibility stuff here, too. So he's got, like, he's got DOSter, he's got DOS format, he's got the CJ font. So he's been doing just a lot of stuff. So if That's you guys cool. have the older DOS machines and you want to be able to just transfer stuff back and forth, it's going to become quite easy. Hey, but Curtis, before you move on, David, are you still with us?
3: Why, yes, I am. And I've already been in contact with Todd about... High density support.
0: Okay, well, Rob Inman couldn't help but notice your comment under the video here. Could you read that comment to us in your best enthusiastic voice, please? <laughs> Because if sure. not, Let if not, I'm to gonna. That voice if or not, or if, if not, I'm gonna impersonate it badly. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I would love to play with it, and of course, sources too, if you are willing.
0: say that first sentence again. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: no way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: I would
7: love to play with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. also uh, uh.
8: i would like to ask todd wallace if you're listening to this at some point um i had tried to do a little bit of research way back in the late 80s <laughs> to 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 get this 512 byte sector thing working properly and i never really got it working uh, with the built-in tandy driver obviously you have if you want to uh, get in contact with me i'd love to write some documentation because i know a lot of people have asked how to do this and i honestly don't know I know there's certain things you have to tweak, but there's also certain order you have to do certain things to get it to work properly. And nobody ever really documented it back in the day. It was like kind of in the know for the few. So, uh, Todd, if you can give me a contact on Discord, I'd love to like write up something with you on how this is done and then include it with the documentation for the new manuals that are coming out for Nitrous 9 so that other people can write their own DOS stuff if they wanted to. Or you know, If I remember correctly, the Atari ST used the same FAT12 formats. You should be able to read and write Atari ST disks just fine. Amiga has the capability of saving and loading DOS disks, so you could technically use that too as long as you format them as DOS, not the native Amiga format. So there's quite a bit of interplay between the, some of the older machines here we can do with this, this type of utility. Cool. Next up, uh, Charlie2020 on Discord has released version 1.3 of some os 9 Nitrous 9 utilities that he wrote in Baseco 9, and you can download them here. Uh, Quilt is actually not a utility. I think that's uh, actually for editing patterns for Quilts. Which he uh, wrote for, I believe, his spouse or his mom or something—I can't remember the details there—and he's got some standard utilities. And one of them is all. Now that sets attributes. Right now, the attribute command in Nitrous Nine, you have to do one file at a time. So if you want to set executable or make it, you know, non-writable, so you don't accidentally delete it or whatever, you know, same same as you do in DOS. But uh, he actually wrote a version based command that actually goes through, and you can give it a list of files in one command line, and it'll just do them all, and you can set them all the same attributes. I'm going to be contacting him a little bit later this week. I was going to try to do this week, but I just didn't have time. Because uh, I, I did take a look through his code, and there's some hidden system calls that aren't documented until the new manual comes out. Uh, that actually would make this a lot faster and a lot easier for him. So I'm going to contact him, and get him to probably do another update to the another version that will then incorporate that, so it's even faster yet. So, but uh, he's been sharing a few of these utilities. He's got multiple utilities on this disk here, so it's it's, it's cool to see that we're getting some more OS9 Nitrous9 developers uh, active again now too. So. And hopefully these new manuals, we're currently in the review, second review of the new tech reference manual, which has a ton of new stuff, fixes a few errors on the original Tandy stuff as well. Um, Bill's already started the second round through. I'm going to be starting that probably later tonight, to be honest, take a little break from actually writing stu- uh, writing code, and then I'll uh, see if we can get that one up. And then he's already started on the Baseco 9 manual too, and that's got some additions we'll be adding in for some of the new graphics features that we've added in Nitrous 9 over the years too, so... Gradually, we're going to get that entire 1,100-page monster manual redone. After that, we'll be redoing the Multiview view manual. Uh, I'll be working with Jeff Tennyson and Deke in the chat to see if we can redo the C compiler stuff, because he's done a lot of additions to that too, as of other people over the years. So the Nitrous 9 project, that's one thing that was kind of lacking a bit, is that they they started to do updated documentation, like at least retyping in the existing, but they didn't really add any of the new stuff, and then it kind of just got dropped. So now we're actually going to get... Uh, you know, full blown new manuals out. And we're also going to build in a lot more intense help system in probably the next beta of, of uh, EOU. We're going to actually have much better online help. So if you just need help on the Kogi type, help, you know, whatever the command is. And even subtopics, you can go help base go nine uh, GFX two and it'll list all the GFX two options you have type of thing. So it'll be much more interactive. Uh, maybe I'll see if I can work with Chris Hawks and getting icon base nine to tap into some of that stuff too. And then you can actually, you know, have built in help while you're editing your, your GUI based. Basically
0: nine editor. Yeah, Aaron had the same thought that I did too when you said monster manual. I couldn't help but think of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so so <laughs> yeah. did
8: somebody say Monster Manual? Ones, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember those tomes too. Those are big too. So
0: I know Nick Morentes is excited that more and more developments taking place on the Nitrous Nine front.
8: Well, that's just a given. Yeah. Yeah. Even Nick Marionette's.
1: It's more trash for his trash can? <laughs> yeah, I'll he's gonna have to make an overflowing a... trash can icon. Yeah, now. I'll have to make a, a new big <laughs> trash can. <laughs> we need an OS nine dumpster.
8: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you go to empty it, flames come out and it burns everything off. Yeah, trash
0: incinerator. <laughs>
8: <laughs> we'll get the the OS nine uh, nitrous nine uh, loris bin type thing, which is this thing that covers half a screen, just loaded with all your icons. I uh, was gonna say a
5: dumpster covering the whole screen. <laughs> <It's>,
8: <laughs> you can't
5: do anything else in OS9 when you're emptying the trash. It fills the screen.
8: <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, we've got four in a row here. So Tandy started at uh, September 1st. And this as I mentioned before in the game uh, news segment is a basically a, a month long celebration of Tandy that various YouTubers, there's a dozen, dozen and a half that have committed to it so far. And then there's also the you know, the ones that aren't Officially affiliated with it, like us and the amigos, because they're doing their cocoa uh, special two game thing on um next s- no tomorrow, s- Sunday, Sunday, early morning Sunday. So they're doing Rad Warrior and in the Interbank incident the two games they will be reviewing. But anyway, the uh the Tandy Septandy thing, which covers all the tandy computers, has had quite a bit of cocoa content. Now they've had this Septandy before. This is not the first year they've done it, but I've never seen this much cocoa content, which is kind of cool. So we had the one in the game segment there that we showed earlier. And now there's already four as of today that I know of um, for the just general Tandy. And I'll just kind of go through each of them here. So this first one is from a channel called Mr. Lurch's
11: Things. G'day, Internet, and welcome back to another video and to Sept-Tandy. Yep, that's right. We're doing it again. So yeah, for the uninitiated, Sept-Tandy yep, is well hey, on. Yeah. on YouTube, <laughs> spend September... Celebrating no, all things Tandy. Nick, you'll Radio like this video. <laughs> this year, Adrian Black and Tech are back, games, you'll love but it. we're also joined by and I. Have yeah, a I'm not going to play the whole
8: thing here because it's, it's 18 Mal- minutes long. But uh, basically, in this case, he goes in a video showing his Kogel three with some upgrades, and he shows you even putting them in. Uh, and thanks to Nick Morota, by the way, because you're the one who found and, and kind of pointed me to this, and actually enabled me to discover all the other ones afterwards. Awesome. Um, so in this case, he shows upgrades including the six through nine. He shows a, how to do a five twelve k upgrade. He does the SDC, and then he has to show off some fellow Aussies' uh, games for some stupid reason. But uh, <laughs> so he's you know kind of going through. I think,
0: I think Nick Morentes is responsible for most of the um, economic growth in the country of Australia these past few years.
6: <laughs> I <think> so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah for if he's getting a kickback well, and I'm not, I'm really upset.
5: Well, they announced they announced today that we're in a recession, so
0: uh, next um, guy to release another game bail you guys out. Yeah,
1: we're in yeah. yeah. so naturally there's a recession. Yeah, and I've, I've even heard that Ferrari's
8: planning on moving one of their plants over to Australia just so it's easier to ship nickel of his cars. So. In
2: my backyard. Yeah.
8: So here he did the 512, he doing the 639 upgrade which he explained that he already desoldered and resocketed. And then he fires it up.
0: Just out of curiosity, what 512 board was he using? That was an uh, old one.
8: Yeah, yeah, an old style. Okay. Like the 120-second the 16 chip version, so. It's the Tandy one.
6: And he made his There's a SCART adapter cable like this. Did he make that? He said Which one? The SCART adapter. It sounded like he said he made it.
8: I'm not uh, sure can't even remember now. I've watched so many of these videos, I've kind of lost track of what's in each one. Here he goes through the different, you know, the floppy op- options and plugging it in. Options. STC Explorer. Does a couple of demonstrations. He ran a Frogger game to show Cocoa 1 and 2 compatibility, and then he ran Arkanoid, which was kind of coincidental with our game of the week just a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? Yep. Demonstrate some of the Cocoa 3 stuff off the STC.
0: And speaking of yeah, Tandy.
8: yep, look, and the Sierra. Up. Oh, I got Crikey. Crikey, Crikey! Would you would you look at that? <laughs> now that's <laughs> a and beauty of a, a game. Then you He has a gun star.
6: Crikey! I think even pronounced a Gunstar. Gunstar.
8: <laughs> so Nick uh, Marientes, I have a question for you. Have you actually been in personal contact with him, or has he just ordered no, the games?
2: No. and no, no. I've never. I didn't know about this guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Crikey.
7: Right. <laughs> <Cry? laughs> Tell
0: them you will put in a good word with the author of these games, if you. Uh...
4: <laughs>
8: now I will mention I've I've started to try to contact some of these people and see if we can get them on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard back from one of them that sounds fairly positive. It's just going to be trying to arrange the time, of course, because it's pretty early in the morning there when we shoot the show. So when, unless we have them on oh. the tail end or something, or if the guy <laughs> wants to get up, you know, massively early in the morning. We don't have everybody who's nuts like David and Nick here. So,
0: uh, <laughs> you could pre record or something too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, this. I'm, yeah. I'm really glad that people are, are taking on this movement. And anytime we can get the Tandy some love, that's great. I'm kind of anti movement, anti hashtags. So, as far as I'm concerned, I'm Tandy all year long. So, I'm not going to hashtag Tandy in September. I'm Tandy all the time, all Tandy all the time. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I'm glad that that uh, people are into it and that it's getting some uh, it's getting some airplay. You know.
8: So, do, yeah. we, do do you know where he's located? Where about Australia is oh, all I know. He said Australia, but he doesn't. Yeah, he's I don't know exactly city.
0: where. He's probably my neighbor. Yeah, look out your
6: window. Everybody's
0: your neighbor in Australia.
8: Just throw a boomerang at him. Wake him up. <laughs> yeah, Australia's like the size of what New York City or something, isn't
6: it? <laughs> 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 Invite him over for some Vegemite.
8: Yeah, it's a bit further to go between Canadians here because we have to take dog sleds, so.
5: Yeah. If you actually overlay a map of Australia with the USA, they're pretty much the same size. Yeah. yeah. It's the the lower 48. Really?
2: Yeah.
5: Yeah.
6: Yep.
8: We're a little bigger.
10: I think maps
6: distort the sizes.
10: Yeah, that's why. People actually live in the middle of the United States. (laughs)
4: Yeah. (laughs) We do here, too. We just (laughs) don't as many.
8: (laughs) Yeah, the middle of Australia is kind of like Death Valley, California. (laughs) I'm thinking about moving to the middle
5: of Australia the way things are going.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't blame you. (laughs) Living, what what do they call the rock? uh, Uluru or? Uluru. Yeah. 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 Airs Rock. Airs Rock. Second of the Septuandi ones. Oh, good. Oh, sorry. Go. Okay. (laughs) The second of the Septandi is uh, the retro channel here, did a uh, Cococo one. So we're switching back to the older model and he does an S video and composite model. Oh, neat. Um, So I'll let him do a
11: little intro here. And then we'll let you watch the rest. Everyone of and welcome to the Retro Channel and welcome to oh, Septandy. This- oh, I can understand this guy too. A group of YouTubers yeah. like myself uh, come together to celebrate all things Tandy. And I don't uh, have to stand on my here head for Septandy 2020. <laughs> we've got Mr. Lurch's things, Josh Malone, myself of course, Adrian's Digital Basement. Uh, there's Tech Tangents, Spectre, uh Dave, just Dave, LGR. Uh, we do have Yan Beta. And What's with the potato? The answer to that can be found on Mindflare Retro's channel. Drinking potato chips. Came with either 4 or 16k of RAM, but eventually got upgraded to either 32 or 64k and it was aimed. Underneath there's even some Switches heavily. Underneath. Oh wow! I wonder if that's so, a Jason. So right, he's one, uh, is that a machine? HJL keyboard? HJL
8: yeah, keyboard. He's got a yeah, power no. LED. He's got
11: um, multiple switches. I think inverse video and next stuff. Next video, where we're all going to take. Now he
8: hasn't actually opened that one up that yet, as he's mentioning here. So he's inside. actually going to do a future episode um, taking that so one apart to see what all the mods are.
11: But the reason I want to start with this is just so we can get a little bit familiar with the internals. And hopefully that'll answer some. Now
0: you issues. notice that the bezels on both of those are silver right. too. It doesn't so have the
11: black aside for now. bezel yeah. around the Plan keyboard. Plan to upgrade the keyboard yeah, model yeah. in today's modern world, and also something a bit cleaner. So maybe we start to get into designing output, this,
8: which actually has the audio out and an S-video
11: circuit. Video no, I like the whole
8: breadboard
0: itself. thing you got going Plus on there. Video is some. Hmm. <laughs> So and this ideally, is the Australian
8: version of the Motherboard, I presume. The one. Now,
0: what this is missing right now is a uh, minute work so, um, playing in the background. <laughs>
11: Let's get started. <laughs> First thing we're going to do is pull this. Anytime
0: there's an Australian video, there must have men at work. Playing in the background,
11: and just like <laughs> it's a national law, law board, or something. It's a that? law.
8: It's it is. is yes. Yeah. Yeah. So
11: this will just lift it.
8: <laughs> Robin says in the chat, uh, why are Australians taking over a- the a- internet? It's normally attached to
11: the bottom of the board. Hey, ACDC is yes from Australia. Why do we have to stick with men at work? It has. Does the of little, Video
12: Mod work in a US machine? Uh, clips that need to be pushed I in. It, it should well. do that stuff. It
8: should, I would think. He's tapping it off the, uh, not the BDG itself, the other video-involved chip. Board. He removes it's the, the uh, modulator. modulator. Yeah, cool. that's out.
9: Great fix for an RF modulator, I gotta say. It just started up. There you go.
11: Poke a hole back through here. Everything's socketed. Yeah.
4: Oh man. Now. yeah everything
11: uh, is socketed boards. yeah good caller. this right? is something that i designed myself uh and it's probably it's not perfect but i spent many hours
8: but he actually he even he designed his little breadboard there so out, that everything lines um, up so the channel the the selectors where the audio filters, cable comes out yeah. and
11: ac coupling things
8: and you know soldering no no hair was burned in the making of this video
14: <laughs>
11: next to the board here because it also has 5 volts sitting on one of its legs so and he's, he's not, grounded I've never seen anybody ground
0: themselves <laughs> before when it switched to <laughs> P mode Especially four, not show. The, he's a
11: professional 2 <laughs> colour mode <laughs> on the Tandy um, we never grant ourselves. With sync, uh, and his audio circuit actually outputs intensity. like a composite
8: cable um, signal, basically. So he's so got to put that in there just to keep uh, both channels, so and he actually duplicated the channel between, so it will actually if come out of the both speakers. And okay, like the quick hack work comes yeah, out of I'll one side. Linked to the, the,
11: stereo Dolby. the description below. Um, <laughs> it's Atmos of course seven point one
8: output stereo
2: mono by this board. I'll just
8: pause this here because this kind of shows the RF output in the far left. Old uh. C V B S, new C V B S and the S video. Now the S video of course is not trying to do artifacting. And this is PAL, so it's not doing yeah. you know the artifacting we're used to with NTSC. But you Pretty can clean. see how you know high quality the, the pixels are on the S video on the side. Like if you're running anything that's a black and white game.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah. Or you know, a word processor that runs in a graphic screen or something, it's gonna be just clean. Unfortunately, the one thing is of course with PAL, it, it doesn't get the artifact colors for the games that expect that.
2: But it looks better than that purple green stripes yeah. that we've yeah.
8: watched. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. And here's a comparison on the text mode, so you can kind of see, you know, it's kind of. Yeah, obviously on the far right,
0: the, the text is crisp. Yeah, yeah. It's Text good. cleaner.
8: Yeah, yeah. And on I'd the right, like I mean that almost looks like an RGB out. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, technically, yeah. S-video
8: is. Uh, kind of, yeah. Sort of.
0: Not uh, quite. Yeah, uh,
8: okay. but yeah. S-video
5: basically has separate chroma and luminance, so it can yeah. get rid of all the all the uh, noise okay. between with, with combining them. Yeah. Is this is where he showed what red, NTSC
8: red, artifacting looks like, too, just so okay. you can kind of compare between PAL. So on the left, you can see what the Australians had to put up with all of our oh, artifacts. Yeah. Yeah. On the right, you can see what we had in North America. Yeah. i have to get in touch with this guy and see how he did his video. Yeah, yeah you, there's them. a lot of Australians for you guys to get in contact with, and I don't think mm-hmm. they're active in our group yet, so please invite them over. They're it's our all next yeah. neighbor.
5: So all these, you 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 got links. The links are in the video description for all these, yeah? Yeah,
8: Yeah, thanks to Frodo. Frodo's been posting them into the YouTube chat, so you can get it on the video afterwards, too. It's also
0: in our news channel on Discord.
8: News summaries, yeah. Cool, okay.
0: Thank you, Frodo, for doing that.
8: And I'm looking forward to his HDL one because that one's been heavily hacked. There's three switches in the bottom, so I'm not even sure what all the yeah. switches would do. Inverse video is a common one. I've seen a few with a RAM write-protect switch. If you wanted to load a cartridge that tried to overwrite itself, you could load it, flip the switch, then it won't let you write to that area anymore, and then you would run the game, and if it tried to self-modify, it wouldn't work, or it wouldn't kill itself. It would just you know, run as if it was a wrong cartridge. I don't know what a third one would be, though. I Maybe no it's idea. got
2: a lowercase mod in there. Could be. I don't know. Hmm.
8: I'm a looking forward to seeing that to video.
4: To- it's it's could be a, made Could made be uh, uh, or something.
0: Could be the turbo switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kick <laughs> on like the nitrous X.
7: oxide. Yeah, it's got eight <laughs> megabyte of RAM. Yeah, man. <laughs>
8: <laughs> so anyway, he's do, he's gonna be doing some more Coco videos based on that other Coco and stuff here later this month as part of Septandy, So keep an eye out on his page. Yeah,
0: this is exciting. A lot of people are Just
5: getting, a retro getting the retro channel.
8: Getting I like the his Tandy Packman. Yeah. Band.
5: Yeah,
0: oh, yeah, cool.
5: yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Lego
2: sure. pack, Lego Pac-Man, yeah.
8: Yet another or Septandy one, and this guy I believe is from the US. Um, Hopefully I'll recognize
0: his, just, maybe we can recognize his accent. Yeah. Yeah. He's
5: upside down. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we can't understand him, Nick. You <laughs> we'll have to get an interpreter. <laughs>
8: <laughs> so his his channel's called Dinty's Hideaway, and from what I understand, he's just restarted a new channel, and he had a previous one doing a bunch of variety of things, so this is a new one more dedicated to this type of stuff. And he kind of goes sort of a history of the Cocoa one a little bit. Now, he's got a few things off. I think he's just kind of going by memory, which, I mean, a lot of us have done. Um, for those who want to know, like, the full history, definitely I recommend the Bill and Boise book, The History of the Cocoa they actually you know got the official word from the people at tandy at the time that were working on the coco so that's that's kind of like the definitive history of the coco but he has a fair bit in here on that his editing style is a little bit uh, odd to me uh, he's got he's got some overlapping scenes where he'll you know fade from one video to the next but he leaves the audio going from It becomes a bit of a jumbled mess for about 10 seconds so i'm guessing that he's probably just kind of learning a software and this is probably the first video he's tried doing this type of thing on so hopefully improves. But it's a, it's a pretty interesting video. I'll just play you know, a little bit of and it. It's a
14: handy episode of Tinty Sideway. We'll find out if a 1981 color computer can run your digital life, review a color
3: computer game, plus a look at your favorite oh. YouTubers and Consumer Advice with George.
6: Ken and Claver. Yeah.
8: So he goes through and then does... Now, he has these weird commercials and stuff in between, too, that I, I'm not sure what they have to do. Maybe it's just something he does uniquely in his channel. So it's it's a little bit jarring when you watch it. It's not like an average YouTube video. But he does go through and show quite a few things. There, he shows scanning Climber. You notice he's got the original metal aluminum uh, joystick, Black Beauty's oh. not the later plastic ones.
4: Nice.
8: And he actually goes into, I got to bring this up here. You know, He gets to you know run Spectacular, but without a manual, he has no idea how to use it. And then he goes into scripts it because that's you know the most popular program oh, on the planet the chess game. No. <laughs> but yeah, it's a pretty good explanation of the early days of the Coco because this is a Cocoa one with only sixteen k of RAM. Um, so it's it's like literally from the early days, and even goes into the fact that the very first release only had a four and a sixteen k option. That was the maximum you can get, and then yeah. you know a year or two later they brought up the thirty two, and then later the sixty four. And then My the original-
5: Go ahead. I was going to say, my original eboard board one, uh, when I got it, came with 16K. k. had the 16K RAM badge, and I upgraded to 64.
8: Yeah, I started mine with a 4K, and, and I, I never upgraded the badge, because I got third-party people like in our local club to do every upgrade after that. From six to 16, adding extended, 32 with double-stacked chips, ripping those all back out again, and then putting 64K and modifying the circuit board because I had a D-board. But... Uh, <clears throat> And this one is the last one for September that I've got for this week. And this was actually just released this morning about an hour before the show. I have not fully watched this. I didn't have time, Um, but this one is from uh, a channel called Adrian's Digital Basement. And this is one where he takes a Coco3 that's in pretty bad cosmetic shape and apparently goes through and does a complete, you know, refurbish of of, of things to get it running or to get it to look good, I should say. So I'll just play a little bit.
14: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adrian's Digital Basement. It's September, and if you remember from last year, what that means is it's Septandy, where my channel and others focus Here's on the old shoes computers again. made by I Tandy Radio Shack. So machines like the TRS-80s, including the color computers, and the Tandy 1000 line of PC compatibles. Unfortunately, the Texas-based company that was Tandy Radio Shack doesn't exist now. It just exists in name only. But they had a huge effect on the personal yeah. computer industry in the eighties and into the nineties. So that's why we take this month of September oh, feel free to go call to it Correct and, and focus
4: on, the on and these machines.
14: <laughs> in my first Subtandy video, I'm going to be taking a look at the TRS-80 Color Computer 3, affectionately called the Coco 3. The machine is in desperate need of some cosmetic transformation and that's what I'm going to do today. Let's get right to it.
0: Uh, Tim Linder says he sold him this computer.
14: Oh really? Is it one of Marty Goodman's old ones in here? It? Cosmetically, it's not great. Besides the obvious yellowing, the only real blemish is there's a little bump in the case oh, here, and that would be moral from toy. Don't a buy from screw Tim into Linda.
9: the underside. <laughs> <laughs> he took the screws out of the back the and case. put them
14: in the front. And then there's this yeah. splotchiness right here, which may just be dirt. I haven't actually given this thing a clean. Mm. On the side of the machine, it does have the cartridge slot here. And on the back, everything looks in order. We have a reset button. We have a composite video output along with the audio output, an RF modulator output. Like I said, I haven't watched this switch. one yet, so I don't know if it's anything a really
8: specifically the other
14: four, here? and those are the two that go in like up into this K, part of the plastic. Yeah. which is exactly yeah. where this little bump is that dark oh, grills really screen. Normal. Normal. Yeah, yeah. some, yeah, some machine, computers had that. One of oh, right, yeah, the longest. yeah the Canadian ones for sure did. Here yep. we have our first glimpse oh, inside the Coco 3. So this is the can shielding uh, Nick I can't remember. that yes. converts from you know 120 yes. volts here down to whatever some low AC voltage, and that plugs into the motherboard it's right here, which has some type of rectification and brings it down to the. 5 That's a performance peripherals 512k grade, not the. I'm tandy noticing one. here that the keyboard connection oh, yeah. is this ribbon cable. Did he say rectification you see in the ZX Spectrum? Very worrisome <laughs> didn't because. Didn't quite catch like I said, I have to watch this video after the show here because I actually didn't get a chance right to here. actually watch it. I thought it maybe just they were the screwed on, but they appear to be melted on right here, all, all four corners there. This is the cartridge slot, <laughs> and there's witness marks here. where. And I think that one little bumpy was showing there. I think somebody put just the longer screws. Yeah, the that's what, yeah. yeah screw you mentioned the that, too. Yeah. Through, so that's so it's a common thing. Definitely well-loved and well-used. Shining like this, So, of course, we're doing the standard retro. We're just taking these keys off, and it's pretty dirty underneath here. Use a key puller. Find these pretty inexpensively from aliexpress ebay whatever i've never had a key puller before kind of i'm like going to that. give that's, them a quick clean a because they, they are dirty yeah they and work really well i am going to pour that it's not as me a key puller with my uh cooking into cooking. this tote here cover it with plastic add some water so it's not quite so concentrated plus if you get broken into Put it looks like you can stab somebody with two, which as is well awesome, but <laughs> i recommend using a tub like that even when you're pulling these keys off because it forms bubbles when the reaction is going on and i need to make sure that you're getting good coverage but you just sort of shake the top. I like how he's got the one on the upper that left that's rotating. Guy. If oh, I had more space on that. my turntable, I would
12: put <laughs> them on. that the has that help
14: level out the I don't unfortunately. Sunlight retrobating thing?
12: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it evens out the exposure so you don't get light spots and dark spots. Yeah,
8: right. Okay. So for you guys that have spots. done retrobating, do you guys do that same technique of having something to rotate
14: it or
12: No. <laughs> I don't I don't have something that rotates it, but I do go in and flip over, well, this has to, to be one of the most
14: dramatic results I may have ever gotten doing retro bright. Yes, wow. this is actually the same Coco 3 computer. I just have it loosely assembled. It's okay, not Tim Linder, you're vindicated. Together. But wow. <laughs> it's been
2: uh, a day Tim is
14: Linder. <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> it was outside for roughly an hour. I'm That should be, be D-Marty Goodmanized, minutes, actually. <laughs> cream around. you, and you then got to see the one I got from Tom Adams. It was in the GM shop. got all that peroxide off it, then dried it. And then I have a 303 Aerospace Protectant. I like to get this stuff on as soon as it comes out around. The question will be, how will the keys turn out? So they're currently still outside. The submersion method I'm using with the keys takes a lot longer than the plastic wrap over the plastic and the cream I was using on this. It's been over three and a half hours the keys have been outside and they are on the turntable now. And the sun is quite low because it's almost 7 p.m but it's still hot out there, so it's probably still doing something. So when I bring him in, when the sun finally drops below the neighbor's houses, I'll be able to take a look and see how good.
8: Now he's smart? He actually took a picture of the keyboard so you know where the keys go. Yeah. I made that mistake (laughs) multiple
4: times.
9: (laughs) But it's a great thing to do to the new guy.
8: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Especially since some of the keys, if you switch them sideways, they actually look like a different character, like a dash or a capital I or something like that, so then when you put it together, it looks at first glance like it's right, then you notice the angle of the keys doesn't follow the nice smooth row, and you get these little jarring ones you have to take it apart again. But his keys turned
14: out quite quite nice after yeah, the really not bad. Yeah,
8: it
10: looks good.
14: The I lit- see some none like. of the letters faded either. Wow, that is a real transformation. So, the retrobrite process on the keys on these grey keys was pretty easy. The submerger method outside worked great, but the white keys were really yellow and they still have a yellow tinge even right now. After it was outside, but at least they, they look clean on the turntable for a yeah. good number of hours. Yeah, and they were a different color than on anyway. the other ones anyway. I mean, they were are meant to be different colors and i not supposed to be So I ended consistent. up taking the whole batch yep. and sticking the it in key my got a little right cloudy. I've had that same problem happen with the red gets where cloudy I left it actually overnight. That really helped make a difference and get rid of a lot of the yellowing but it definitely there's these keys should be completely white and they still have just a slight oh tint of yellowing the <laughs> but they're clean they, the they look fine to me they're they clean after i felt it the completely complete, i took all the keys yeah, i dumped do. them into a bath of just plain water to get all the peroxide off them yeah because the regular keys are kind of a grayish and white and then the aerospace then protection the control all shift of them, clear enter let that soak in a little bit keys and are then he sat to dry for a few days let's see how this looks in the case so with the keyboard in this thing is unbelievably transformed i can't even believe this is the same machine remember all that splotching that was here now team wants it
4: back
14: (laughs) 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 put the long screw in but this machine looks oh, crap! It came out pretty that much good? brand new i'd say the color of the plastic <laughs> that's under the label is probably original <laughs> and the shade of kind of white beige now um, for this, those of you who've like done retrobutting in plastic the this part that was like fairly yellow, far in the past like a year or two now I mean, has it started to fade out back to difference. yellow again or does all the sides it look stay white? i didn't retro the door but i just cleaned it so that looks good this side looks I mean, good. I mean, i've only done it this year so yellowing right there some people say it lasts about three to four years Underval you did machine. use it a couple years ago fantastic as well there's, there's yeah, a little, it, no those are just just a little, little lighter mark. than yeah, the right uh, uh, multiplayer mark but it's it's almost enough so it ba- stayed the bottom, white for you all the labels a little survived, i mean it's, it's going None back of that peroxide cream got on those at all it's still covered them up so you know, to uh, the cocoa free nothing really happened and i just cleaned up the bottom it didn't actually need retro bright for the first player but not sure if that's okay. uh, a convention that holds on the table. Like, I think the whole yellowing right, so is caused by exposure to UV radiation text, from sunlight, so if you keep your cocoa out of the sun, maybe it stays so whiter, I'm not sure. Anything we can play. I have this a cocoa, too, This is the Audio so Spectrum light. Analyzer cartridge, which is Was an awesome cartridge used, used in, in the, the movie plastic? Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, yeah I, I have a video yeah, on it, which I'll link to in the description below, showing off this cartridge in operation. All right, and then here's a cartridge called <laughs> Pulpus Chat. Roll says on the
8: Canadian Coco Three, ethics. it's so not an RF shield over the vents; it's an island
14: mesh netting. It's a it
8: regulatory a thing because Canadian kids like connector? to drop loonies
14: in the vents. Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> I ah, there were no Exactly, so that's video what video I was going to say. The <laughs> and the audio through the speaker here on my right side. Period. Correct, sir. Hard
7: on. Let's plug in the cartridge while it's on.
14: Hey, please choose (laughs) RGB monitor or color TV. That implies this supports the Coco 3. When you use the RGB output on this thing on the bottom, I showed that earlier, the color palette that's used is a little different. So I think games can look screwy unless they're specifically supporting it. So we're gonna hit color TV and we'll hit joystick. This game came out in 1989? Turn the music down here. I'm assuming this is a billiards game because it has an eight ball there. Pretty disappointing music. It's pretty much (laughs) beep speaker quality music there. Single voice, no volume control. I think the Coco line of computers can do better than that. All right, I'm going to push this button. Oh, hey, it worked. Okay, choose player. Oh, this is so hard to use because this joystick doesn't spring back. (laughs) Oh my God. What the heck? (laughs) What am I missing here? Yeah, this so level is frustrating. No I never what can I'm get doing. this. It's like it's off rolling this plane. once in a while, it works. I, roll I usually just left, skip to a different right, plane, up and down. But if I roll up, let's try rolling slowly. As soon as it hits the gray, it kind of resets. Range. So here's one of the other stages where this the game cartridge, works or there's something wrong with the Coco Three. If you are familiar yeah. with this game Came and you know record. what I'm doing wrong, please let me know. Maybe it's not compatible with this joystick. Maybe it's not compatible with Coco 3. I, I don't Is know. This not a good let me game? know in the comment section below. I there's another cartridge here. <laughs> now, the called game's not too Star bad Blaze. once you get used to it. The this this Amigos actually covered shack, it a while back. But that, that very first it, plane so I guess it was where you just got the running strip. Apparently, there's a certain jump at a certain time. Or whatever, then you can so jump into
8: the subplane underneath and actually continue, which I've done a couple of times. But I can't reproduce it consistently. Sometimes you just run aimlessly forever, and I just hit reset and
14: skip plane one entirely. I so knew not these sure were one of the, the color palettes are. available for oh. use with the graphics chip, but mm, look at that! Look at that color. Skill one. Okay, so this looks like maybe it's a a defender. His joystick probably isn't working.
0: He can't control anything. Spider side.
8: I find it amusing, though, that he's got a Cocoa 3 and he keeps running Cocoa 1 and 2 games to well, show off the graphics. this game
14: appears to be working what? properly, though. <laughs> bit you about and there's a game here called Downland, which looks like a cave-type game. Okay,
0: that's the original one. It might Music? not work.
14: Yeah. no, It's the unpatched version. <laughs> <But> that, yeah, <laughs> <again>. <laughs> wow, that this game is not. It's a rendition of the Star hey, Spangled damn. Banner, and it had multiple tones, so it wasn't just beep speaker. The crowd sound is changing in volume, so Ooh, that implies really that this thing has some again. capability of Multi-channel audio and volume control. <laughs> I was never good at baseball games.
0: Oh, okay, this guy's and killing me. All right.
6: <laughs> Rob Bidman says at least he didn't run Predator.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay.
8: But yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of these people are either fairly new to the Coco themselves, and you you can tell by you know the certain ones that are getting a lot of the facts wrong or, or don't know the hardware underneath very well. But I would love to get some of these guys onto the show over this you know next month of September. And we can kind of, you know, get them into the community and, you know, correct them where they need some corrections and stuff here, yeah, and show them some course. of the more advanced stuff that we have instead of just like everybody keeps picking these, you know, random Tandy cartridges. And Tandy wasn't the best games all the time. I mean, they had a few oh, really good of- ones, but honestly, the third-party market is where the real stars shine. So I want one of those Radio Shack LCD monitors he's got. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah <you could've- laughs> I, no, I mean the actual uh, the actual cleaning up of that is awesome. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to watch somebody sit here and complain about something they have no idea what they're doing and I just find it a little frustrating. <laughs>
4: That's Not <like>
5: <laughs> yeah. I notice he's uh, got a very nice uh, Sony Trinitron broadcast monitor there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it looks, like the, it looks like that joystick that he was using might have had some issues because there was a number of things where the joystick didn't seem to be working right. Um, so, David, uh, are
2: you okay? Something in the top right. <coughs>
1: That's uh, an indestructible
7: uh, black beauty. Come on. Or nah. are
1: you thinking out about him running the power cable around the whole stack of floppies and then into the wall? <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's a degaussing coil. We'll make demagnetize them all.
8: <laughs> Switch it on, and no more floppies. <laughs> So hey, for the month of September, we've already got five videos released I know they've given you know, yeah. done link ups for everybody else doing some are doing Tandy one thousands and model one two three fours et cetera too but there's more cocoa videos coming from some of these people
0: yeah no that's cool. Um, that's cool
8: I, I don't know if any of our community wants to kind of contribute that and you know, join the hashtag so that they can discover us as well as you know as we're discovering them and maybe you know, you know kind of get them involved in the community as well especially if they're new to the cocoa and don't really know what it's capable of doing so but definitely we're checking out there's there's multiple ones still coming out from these guys on the coco as well so I'll, I'll bring those up as the month progresses oh that looks familiar hmm. yeah so actually since you're here <laughs> you might as <have laughs> well explain the contest here because you wanted this as a reminder about it because the deadline's the end of this month or uh
5: last the last um Cocoa talk, so 26th of this month so
8: yeah yeah okay so do you so want by- to kind of just explain what it, what the contest is
5: yeah, basically, I, I've sort of mentioned it a couple of times previously, but um, that my uh, cocoa that I'm trying to find a name for in this shot here. Um, yeah, basically, put up a, com- a competition there, and whoever uh, picks the name that I end up going with um, will get a free copy of it at, at any of my albums albums that they choose. So I'm running two – I'm basically running two things here. I'm running one – I'm going to pick one winner. There's going to be two winners. I'm going to pick one, and that name that I choose will be the name that I will give this Coco. Um, and the other uh, – there'll be another prize as well, and I'm going to leave it to you guys, to the to the rest of the panel, to pick another winner. Um, so uh, obviously I can't give it two names. I, maybe I could, but <laughs> it would be a bit confusing. But it's, it's just basically to give away two, two prizes and get more involvement in the community. So what I'm thinking of doing yourself? now to make things – What's up? Yes, you, you, can. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. if you want to, if you want to vote for yourself, you can. Sure, I've got no problem with that. It's, um, but uh, yeah, so uh, what I'm going to do, I'll, I, I hope to do it this week, is put together a table of everybody who's picked names. Um, I'll probably put them up on my sixty-three hundred nine CPU sorry sixty-eight hundred nine cpucom uh, website, which I haven't done much with yet. So give me a good excuse to put something up there. Um, and then everybody can go through and they can look at all the different names and think, oh, I really love that one. Yeah, that one's a bit ordinary. That one's great. At the moment, there's two that jump out to me that I really like. Um, number one is, is Coco D, and that was Chad Edward come up with Coco Devo. And I thought, well, just take off the Devo and put D because D is the fourth letter of the alphabet. It's in a Model 4 case. It's an extension of a Coco 3, so it's sort of a Coco 3 Plus sort of thing. So I thought, well, that kind of fits. It works. It's short. It's sharp. It's to the point. It's easy to pronounce. It's easy to write. It's easy to speak on air when we're talking about things like this. Like can just say, here's my Coco D. Um, so that's what I'm looking for, something really short and sharp. says um, exactly what it is, straight to the point, um, and is easy. So Coco D is possibly my first choice at the moment. Um, Ron Delvaux and Rick Adams uh, posted up a couple early. I think. Um, Ron, did you post? Uh, you post Coco Deluxe? Yeah, or did you? Because the
7: the labels are already printed. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right.
5: Yeah, so you put up Coco Deluxe, and then Rick Adams saw it, and he thought, "Oh, um, Coco DX. Um, DX is like a short thing for Deluxe." And um, I like all three of these actually: the Coco D, (laughs) Coco DX, and Coco Deluxe. The thing I like about the Coco DX being really appealing to me is this is '80s technology, and in the middle of the '80s just about everybody's familiar with the yamaha dx7 it was on just about every hit song in the 80s Uh, i've still got my original yamaha dx7 so there's uh, dx so it combines another element of the 80s so it says 80s all over it yeah Uh, It also it's yeah so coco dx i kind of like that too so uh,
0: ken reichard says if it's uh, if you're going to have a coco double d that would require a bigger case (laughs)
5: A couple of bumps at the front where the the floppy ports are. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so um, I'll compile a list of of everybody's entries uh, this week and get them up online so you guys can all have a look and see what your personal votes are. And on the show on the 26th, you guys can all vote for, uh, for your personal favorite as well, and I'll give away two
7: prizes. So you're no longer giving away the ingot of gold? (laughs)
5: I would have given it away. <laughs>
8: <laughs> so, Darn. yeah, get, get your entries in here before the end of September, before the last ep- episode of Coco Talk the end of December, September. Septandy. Uh, Septandy,
5: yeah. right. Septandy. <laughs> yep, yep. So, and as we're going, too, I'm going to, obviously, I'll, I'll be finishing off the project, you know, finishing off the blank holes in and putting the joystick ports in and, and getting everything else complete. So I'm hoping to have the whole project complete um, by the end of this month.
8: Cool. Cool. Next up, uh, Fran Purcell, who was, I believe, interviewed on the Coco Crew last month, not the current episode. Um, he was a guy that would, you know, help run Computer Plus. And if you remember Rainbow Magazine, Computer Plus always had an ad on the very first page inside the cover, a full-page ad advertising Tandy products and third-party products for Tandy machines. That included the Model One, Two, Three, Four Coco in the earlier days, and later the Tandy One Thousands. And they started carrying third-party software, third-party hardware. So in the very early days, and this picture's from around 1981, he got an aerial shot of Computer Plus back when it was renting space from a Texaco gas station in Littleton, Massachusetts. So that little box marked in the red was Computer Plus at that time. That's where they shipped all the Tandy computers that they bought bulk from Radio Shack and then resold at slightly cheaper prices and did some of the upgrades themselves and stuff too. And eventually they moved into bigger facilities. So this is early days. I mean, this is before I think they even took the full page ads out in Rainbow. So a little bit of cocoa history there, yeah. and the fact that you could just fill up with gas while you're picking up your cocoa would be kind, yeah. of, kind of cool. So,
5: just before you go on to the next one, oh, Curtis, I just right? thought, I just thought of something else. <laughs> a little quick thing, Nick Morantes. You were just saying, uh, can you pick your own? I thought. <laughs> I've stopped and I thought about that. I thought that's actually a really silly idea because everybody on the panel is going to be voting for a, <laughs> a name, and if yeah. everybody on the panel has created their own name, they, no one's going to vote for anybody else. So,
2: well, that's so, that's yeah. why I thought there was a bit of a loophole there in that.
5: <laughs> yeah, so I think we better cover up that, and I think um, people on the panel vote for somebody else's entry.
7: Yeah,
5: it makes Rats. a lot more sense.
10: Do I have to?
8: Oh, you guys and your stupid messages. <laughs> okay, <laughs> next up, um, Fred, is it pronounced Riki? Fred Riki. sure. Yeah. Okay. Has been experimenting with some animation done with the Semi-Graphics 24 mode uh, using the text characters, and this only works on the original Coco 1s and then the earlier Coco 2s before the T1 lowercase VDG came out. It does work on the T1s somewhat, but the p- character cells have shifted because they had to make room for descenders, so they shifted all the pixels up. So if you program it for one of those VDG chips it won't work quite properly on the other now this was using the protectors 2 game that nick and i have shown before and uh, i think stevie when we did our semi graphics episodes on your channel we kind of went into that too so here he's actually experimenting with animation using that and he's published the basic program that he actually used to do this and he's got this little little mini demo here so he shows the three character cells that he did mixing text characters and then on the right hand side he shows the actual animation Unfortunately you can't smooth scroll this stuff, you know, by pixel or anything. You have to jump an entire character set, which I think Nick is twelve pixels wide, is that correct?
7: Oh jeez.
0: <laughs> or is it semi graphic I,
4: I think well, it's, eight,
0: eight. it's eight pixels wide, but the normal character set was twelve pixels tall. But since you're doing this line by line, you can do it any any vertical number you want. The vertical's flexible, the horizontal is um inferior. but the 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 challenge would be is you, you can't vertically scroll these because it's based on the, the cell, s- the oh, yeah. cell yeah, exactly. right? So um, yeah. you can horizontally move them, but vertically they have to kind of stay in place. So you'd have to bit shift everything as you're byte shift it as you're because you're going down. Pixels, so a whole line. You yeah.
8: Yeah. yeah, but it's named. Well, I can I can see this being used for something like if you place this character in the center of the screen to make him look like he's running, and then you scroll the screen by a whole byte.
7: Yeah, yeah,
8: you know, a maze yeah, or something that, like that. That would actually not look too bad.
7: Hmm. Huh you guys remember taking a stack of paper and drawing a character and making him yep. run? or A flip book. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
4: For the, for the <laughs> <cartoonists> <laughs> the yeah.
5: I
7: used to do that all the time. Yeah. And I had yeah, my own too. little video games with rockets taking off and landing. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, yeah.
0: That's really neat. Yeah. I've never seen anybody do it in basic before, but basically, you're, you're once you set up the screen mode, you're just poking to the screen. So yeah, um, that is pretty cool.
8: And the flip cartoons, cartoons, like you said, mentioning in the corner pages, and you flip them with your thumb like back in the day. I used to get comments from teachers in schools because I got bored during class. And I you <laughs> know, would take textbooks and put, you know, rockets flying through space or, you know, like, like Ron was saying type thing. And yeah, I used to get comments on my report cards for those. Yeah, <laughs> same here. Speaking of the Cocoa Crew, episode 63 was released. Uh, a bit of a shorter episode. Uh, Under two hours. I'm not sure if we're even capable of doing that. Um, (laughs) But they have an interview with uh, Curtis Kaler, and we covered his, and the MC10 group on Facebook, I think last week, maybe the week before, he did that where he was emulating a printer so that you would actually be able to print out to uh, one of the old, uh, I think it was a TP10 printer, if I remember correctly, but basically he wrote a special driver that you can actually output, and he had a couple different resolutions. So they interviewed him after he did that because that was kind of a unique project of doing... Something to emulate the printer, so that if you sent a printer file from an MC10 emulator, it would actually generate the graphic that would have came out of the printer. So they interviewed him about that, uh, and then they had a discussion here: at what point do core upgrades distort the hobby? Which is kind of talking when do when do you push the cocoa too far? Now, this correct me if I'm wrong, Stevie, but this sounds awfully familiar. I think they've covered this exact topic before. When is
0: yeah? When yet, is like, a cocoa not a cocoa? Blah 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 blah. Yeah.
8: Yeah. So I,
0: I, yeah, I don't. Sure I don't if, even like that phrasing. Distort the hobby. That seems to be kind of. Uh, it's a know.
8: predilection that it's. It's, it's yeah, like it's a hobby. bad thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But that's the topic. Okay.
8: Yeah, but I think day, I, you know. as, as we've discussed before, there's there's no wrong way to cocoa. Some people like using emulators, some especially with the cost of the hardware these days. Distort the hobby. <laughs> yeah. The more I hear
0: that, the more it's gonna bother me. Yeah, please change change slides. <laughs> is,
7: that, is that like taking a cocoa case and making, I don't know, a planter out of it or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At what point the I've core always, upgrades
0: I mean, to distort me, the to, hobby?
5: To to me, the whole thing of uh, uh, the whole one of the big appeals to the Coco, you know, me being an electronics tech and being an electronics geek in the, in the 80s before I become qualified, was the, the fact that the TRS-80 was was, it was almost designed to be modified and upgraded. It was and a hacker's machine. And absolutely. And that's what I love about it. I still love that about it. That's why all my machines, I don't think I've got a single machine here. I've got four of them here. And I don't think any one of them is stock. They've all got upgrades.
2: So your your Coco D you were talking about the D is for distorted.
5: Distorted, yes, you're distorted. <laughs> yeah.
4: if,
9: if nothing yeah. else, <laughs> when are, once, you, once you've added Coco- the gimme, you're distorted. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well,
5: that's the distorted version. The Coco D. There's also the OD version, which is overdrive.
7: Overdrive. <laughs>
5: yeah. Yeah, we had overdrive and distortion. Which one do you
7: want? <laughs> well, you don't want to say odd. Yeah. I, I, I was just surprised
8: that they rehashed it because this is a discussion they've had before we've had it before as well we we do realize that some people are purists and they want it to run on the original hardware you know whether it's a software piece that you're doing or a hardware piece or whatever else type thing and it's it's kind of been discussed to death i think at this point point. and uh, what we was what everybody's kind of agreed on in our panel anyway is that you know everybody's different some people do want to see what they can run like nick rota likes his Cocoa 2 stuff and um other people like stock. And some people think the gimme X is pushing things too far, but it's, it's whatever you want to do. It's, it's whatever you're having fun with. If you're a hardware guy and you want to design new circuits like uh, Rick Euland or a David O'Connor or, you know, various others, or you want to push the software like Nick Randy's or me using 6309s. And also we're doing 609 stuff too. Like I understand trying to do something for a lower common machine that you don't have to have these upgrades in order to, to run, but you know, don't diss the people that are, are doing it themselves. And I mean, honestly, John's Farfall is an example of where he didn't do that because he created a semi-graphics game that is perfectly capable of running on a Coco three, and he purposely did not do that because he wanted to promote Coco two and Coco one. But that's limiting the market. You just you outcast Coco three people for no reason at all because it would work perfectly fine with one poke. So, I, yeah, I, I just Maybe. thought it was interesting that they actually you know brought the discussion back up again.
2: When Maybe the author is uh is from Russia. <laughs>
8: then I don't know if Aaron's still on here but uh, this was just basically uh, the links in here basically so people can go watch the Twitch live stream tomorrow morning at uh, what the heck time is it on? 9 Eastern I think yeah because the uh, ARG Presents which is Amigos Retro Gaming this is their show that is dedicated to all retro machines and they pick some of the most obscure ones you've ever heard of The Socrates VTech was one of them they actually did recently But they pick, you know, stuff from Europe, stuff from Japan, stuff from Australia, stuff from North America. Uh, Not necessarily common machines. Sometimes they have a hard time even trying to find an emulator for it.
0: Yeah, Aaron Uh, says 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 9 a.m.
8: Eastern? Okay, cool. So tomorrow, it's uh, the ARG. Like, I think I mentioned this before. Like, when the the shows got shut down because Boat got his job at the university, they ended up, you know, basically suspending uh, multiple shows because they wanted to concentrate on what he had time to do because he was doing a lot of learning of, of, you know, what he had to do for his job, etc. And they put three things on the on the wheel. They have this little spin wheel and they have these little pie-shaped thing, things on it for different stickers and there's themes based on game type, on genres, on computer systems, etc. And they put three up for the shows that were suspended, including the Coco show. And for the first time since this started months ago, one of those pie pieces finally came up on the ones that they were trying to get the retro shows back for you know, you know bonus episodes type thing and the Coco happens to be the first one. So they're doing the Interbank Incident, which I think was Aaron's pick, and then Rad Warrior, which is uh, the pick by Brent. So that'll be live on Twitch tomorrow morning. You can get in a chat there if you want to, you know, add add in some commentary. And then they'll release it later on YouTube. So... And I know uh, Frodo has actually mentioned that, you know, this is also a game called The Sacred Armor of the Anti-Rad on some other platforms. So this was a... Rad Warrior was a multi-platform game, like we were talking earlier, Mm. on uh, Canyon Climber type things, so do some comparisons there. So catch that tomorrow. And then as David was mentioned, he's going to a meeting for the Adelaide Retro Computing group next Friday. And this is the actual ad for it. So any of you in Australia there who want to uh, see if you can attend or something, is it open? Do you know uh, David to anybody who wants to come or do you have to kind of like prearrange to go or?
5: No, look, I think um, uh, it's basically a Facebook group for it. There's two, there's a, a group and a page. Um, and I'm, a, I'm actually a member of the, of the group. Um, I think it's just it's open to anybody who's interested in, in retro computing it'll be good probably to get involved in the group and, and mention to the admins and whatnot um, but yeah I, I, I just simply re- replied to um, to the guy who was posting about the, the cassettes in there and wanted somebody who had a, a cocoa to, to try them out on and I got an invite to the to the uh, to the meetup so uh, but yeah it's open to others so anybody who's around the Adelaide area or whatever who wants to, to come along um, welcome to come along it's uh 6 on uh next friday
8: night so six thirty cool. p.m obviously we we'll look forward to your report and any videos you shoot at the show too so we can kind of eavesdrop Yep, okay. cool <clears throat> and then the last one i don't have a link for because we don't have all the details yet. that's the one that uh, steve had mentioned earlier about the glenside color computer club having their virtual picnic on september 19th now i forgot to ask brian Schubring when he was on earlier i don't think he's still on the panel right now uh, if he had any details as to, you know, are they streaming on Zoom or YouTube?
0: Yeah, it, it may have been discussed at the last Glenside meeting, which I missed. So I'll have to see if I can reach out. I did try to ping um, Eric Canales on Discord this morning. Um, so I definitely want to at least, you know, kind of plant the seed to let you know that that's going to be happening. As far as how to join it, that's to be determined. And that's that's the least complicated part of it all. It's just, you know... Uh, I kind of just imagine, you know, are we going to, you know, everybody's going to do their own thing and just maybe virtually show off, hey, this is what I'm cooking, or I'm eating some hamburgers, or I'm having a peanut butter sandwich, whatever it is. But I thought it was kind of just a cool idea of, uh, you know, kind of a <laughs> social event that's, you know, just a little different. Um, the... uh the virtual Cocoa Fest that we did, while it was not condoned by Glenside, it wasn't officially sanctioned as a Glenside event because they were kind of like, look, we don't want to make it seem like we're going to take sides and that we're going to make the Glenside show on this show versus another show or anything like that, so... Um, uh, you know we did the show just because i felt like it needed to be done we weren't you know, we weren't going to have a cocoa fest so we're going to do a cocoa fest with or without permission but uh, like i say it wasn't uh, wasn't like they're they're uh, denying this but they just didn't say we're not going to say this wasn't a glenside event so i like the idea that the uh, that this is an official glenside virtual event that they've decided to do and open it up to the public so um
8: and hopefully You'll be, be, be posting details, I assume, on Facebook. This. I guess so. Yeah, I just kind of need to
0: start uh, need to start looking at that. I guess so. Hopefully, there'll be some barbecuing and retro You know, so
5: uh, <laughs> yeah. Retro retro brighting your steak sandwich.
0: That's it. That's it. While well, you're out there in the sunshine. <laughs>
5: yeah. And that is it for the
0: news. Far out. Now, uh, David Ladd, would you like to tell people what's up next? David,
3: oh, be I don't know. Do we want to have what's next? Well, let's see here. That would be a commercial break.
4: <laughs> Alright. And then we'll be back
3: with updates and acquisitions.
0: All right. Thank you, David. Doing a, you're doing a hell of a job this week, David. <laughs> oh, it's a very enthusiastic show. Yes, he is.
3: The music is back.
10: Hi, this is Eddie Zurbinski from beautiful Quebec City. Vous okay. écoutez Coco Talk.
0: As you're enjoying Coco Talk, we also want to remind you about the Coco Discord server. This is a place where people come to connect, to ask questions, to provide answers, to share information, and to socialize. So when you're done, why don't you head on over to the Cocoa Discord server, and we'll continue the conversation there. The easy-to-remember link is discord.cocotalk.live. See you on Discord. COCO123 is the Glenside Color Computer Club community newsletter that's been in publication since 1985, while the Rainbow Magazine may be gone it doesn't mean you still can't have a cool Cocoa periodical. Head on over to the Glenside Color Computer website at glensideccc.com, and then click on the Documents link to view all the past issues of the COCO 123 Newsletter. Not only can you read all of the past and present issues, we'd also love to hear some submissions from you. So if you'd like to send an article, a column, something to talk about, maybe even a program listing, send an email to glensideccc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. The Cocoa World Map is a cool community resource where you can view coconuts from around the world. Head on over to map.cocotalk.live and see where your fellow coconutians happen to be living on the planet Earth. If you would like to submit yourself to be on the Cocoa Map, send an email to cocotalk@cocotalk.live, at CocoTalk.live And we look forward to seeing you on the Cocoa Map. Hey guys, it's Stevie Stro, and if you've been watching Coco Talk for a while, hopefully you understand that everyone is welcome to join this show. You don't need an impressive resume to get on. You just need to enjoy the Cocoa and be willing to talk about it. There is no wrong way to Coco. There is no wrong way to be a fan of the Coco. There's no wrong way to be on Cocoa Talk. You just have to want to talk Coco. So if you would like to join us, then reach out to us on our Discord server, which is discord.cocotalk.live or send an email to Talk at cocotalk.live and let's get you on the show and let's talk about the cocoa.
4: Hi, I'm Tim
1: and you're watching Coco Talk Live. And I'm playing Daggereth online like that idiot from the book.
0: Uh, can, you, can you dial back on the condescension there as you respond there?
3: No. No, we can't dial, dial back. back. <laughs> <laughs> I like using your quote, but I'm not
6: saying it properly.
3: Oh, dear
0: dial God. Dial
6: back on the condescension. That's even better. Dear
0: God. Dear God. Dear God. <laughs> well, I tell you what. This is what we're going to do right now. We're going um, to do some stuff here that's going to distort the hobby. So why don't we talk about project updates and oh, acquisitions poke, poke. and what we've done to distort things this week. Why don't you... Uh...
7: I've, got, I've got something to share real quick. <laughs> okay, Rondelmo, <laughs> go ahead. All right, so I'm going to share my screen. Mm-hmm. And here it goes. Uh, Antonio made a... Uh... Oh, oh yeah, I saw that.
0: That was oh, yeah. good. That it? was good. Oh.
1: <laughs> that... That's
0: so awesome. And then going to see a fortune. I see a huge garage <laughs> and yeah, 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 old yeah. computers. <laughs> lots and lots of very old. Jesus, that's a lot of them. <laughs> Your the, poor the, wife. Science to get in <laughs> getting the dive is Latin. I'm starting to sound like scooby doo here or Shaggy or something. Zoinks.
8: <laughs> you know, I, I like the look that the Ron's digitized face even has that kind of that sheepish. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, right. Uh, 't really fit the cartoon role. Yeah,
0: that's a lot. You,
7: you're a poor
8: wife. <laughs>
7: <laughs> All right, that's it.
8: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Ron. I, I saw that, and I, I forgot about it because I saw it earlier in the week, and that was hilarious. I actually laughed out loud when I saw that. Yeah, oh. me too.
7: And then somebody said on, I have it posted somewhere else, somebody said, uh, Antonio made you famous. <laughs> <laughs> He is uh, pretty crafty. He did that one thing with me with the
0: Dancing Demon where he put my face on the dancing demon. Yeah. And
4: the cocoa
0: down my... <laughs> Oh dear God. Oh. Project updates and acquisitions. That's cool. Uh Brian Weasler. This is a rhetorical question, but have you acquired anything this week that you want to show off to make us jealous with?
12: (laughs) Nope. Everything on eBay has been bought. Oh, God. Oh, (laughs) God.
8: Brian officially
12: owns eBay now. (laughs) Yes. You know, uh,
8: Brian.
7: Yes, sir. uh, Some of my stuff's missing, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't. don't. I want it back. It's right there. It back, I see it. right, right, <laughs> in, right there. And yeah, right it's right over there. Yeah.
12: Welcome to Brian's. I, rec- I recognize that computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess just a couple things. Uh, I posted a picture yesterday on Facebook. Uh, I had bought these. Uh, I wanted to get some service manuals, and it came with a few other books that I already had, though. But I had posted on Facebook because the pictures were so nice. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. But uh, when I opened the box, each individual book was wrapped in its own separate brown paper. That's nice. But the uh, but the books that were in there that I wanted to get was uh, one was the service manual here for the uh, the newer version of the oh, multi wow. Oh So cool. that was kind of that was nice. I wanted to get that one, and this was the main one I wanted to get. Uh, it's for the uh, this would be like your five oh uh, your five oh one uh, the floppy drive. Nice. Um, I I have a drive that needs some repair. Uh, it uh, everything seems to work, but I just can't get it to read discs, and so I thought maybe I might tinker around. So that was kind of a nice one uh the other books that came with it was uh was this one here, which uh is oh
0: well, that's does that one. have the spine spine printing
12: uh yes it okay,
0: is. none of mine do I had multiple copies, and none of mine had a spine
5: printing
12: oh really oh. yeah okay, there's the blank interesting mm-hmm. yeah mine's and been, then
5: I uh,
7: think mine's got the spine printing on it too so. does it is Stevie,
5: you yeah. want to sell it
12: too <laughs> 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 and then <laughs> it also came printing? with the uh also uh, in the in the group was the uh, uh, this one here, which I really like.
0: Extended yeah. color. Uh,
12: yeah, I like that one. Um, and then um, oh, here's a couple that I've had for a while, but I, I haven't really shown them yet. Uh, there was that series of books that uh, Rainbow did. Uh, they had the uh, this is one that I've had for a while though, but this was the uh, the Rainbow Book of Adventures. Nice, that's a cool. And one. then mm-hmm. and then Very they first came adventure out contest. right. And then they came out with the uh, the second book. Yeah, and also the uh, the third book.
0: I think I've got all of those. Thanks to all uh, those Coco nice. Fest auctions. There's a yeah. fourth
12: too. It's blue,
8: if I remember correctly. Mm.
12: Yeah, I've been that one's been eluding me. I've been looking for that one, and then also they had their book of simulations, which I recently got. These two here. So the nice, uh, yep. uh the second book of uh, simulations and the uh, the red book. So what's kind of cool about this orange one though is uh, you know you, you thumb through some of these names that are inside this book here, you know, and there's people that are just unfamiliar, you know, like there's this david taylor and uh this robert thompson you know curtis boyle some name in here curtis boyle i'm not sure that might have have been a misprint maybe i'm not sure but uh, that that idiot's (laughs) in
8: the uh, yellow simulations book too
12: just (laughs) oh is he okay okay (laughs) so is that different than l curtis
1: boyle though is there like another No, no, i'm
12: sorry i mispronounced no there is an l in front of the curtis here so yes the
1: curtis boyle
12: (laughs) the curtis boyle that's (laughs) That's right so (laughs) <laughs> that's cool how did that, just uh, just real quick though as a side note Curtis how did that work uh, did you submit the they submit those and they they review them as they have a yeah. panel do you know how that worked okay yeah they had
8: a panel and then they'd publish the results of a, a panel and they have these different subcategories and they'd pick the the top ones for certain categories I never like placed first or anything I was just one of the you know the final 18 or whatever it was for each mm-hmm. of the contests
12: interesting that was cool. that's so I cool I think in
1: Ryan's case it was hmm. accurate that they shipped those wrapped in plain brown paper you know, that's pretty common for that class of books
12: yes
5: I, you yeah. you said, I noticed you said on your uh, post on Facebook about it too you were almost uh
8: you almost didn't want to unwrap them because they were so well wrapped.
12: Yeah. Well, they did. Yeah, they they are all, yeah wrapped nice. And they had it taped all nice and neat and pretty. So I, like
8: I have one. to admit it, Brian. I was a bit confused there because when I first saw that you were getting these, you know, plain brown wrapping <laughs> yeah. things, I thought you were getting like Playboys or something.
12: Like
1: that, so. <laughs> porn is porn. I mean, you know, Playboy, porn, whatever. But yeah. <laughs>
12: <laughs> That's all I have, sir. All right.
0: Cool stuff. Who else had an update or acquisition to go over? uh anyone anyone? I thought I had taken some notes here, David
5: O'Connor Ken- Ken- were
0: you, you going to mention as you already mention it was it the Adelaide and the contest was there anything else you wanted to talk about David?
5: Yeah, no, I think it was just those two this week, so originally was sort of thinking maybe we put them in the up- updates and thing, but it got covered okay. in news, which is a better spot to put it anyway so
0: and then uh Terry Steggy was going to mention something and then he had to he had to leave early. So um, I do have one brief acquisition that is actually courtesy of, of our very own Brian Weasler. But when I see books that I'm interested in on eBay, I'll reach out to Brian first because I know he's like the book guy. So I'm like, hey, Brian, are you bidding on this or bidding on that? But there was one book I wanted in a batch of books, and, and it was this one right here. And so this is by Don Inman. Um, these are the same guys, Don Inman and Kurt Inman, no relation to Rob Inman, but they did the assembly language Graphics series, but this is a color computer graphics series and it's, uh, it looks like it's mostly in basic. So it's got a lot of code on how to do stuff. Um, so I guess, uh, Brian had an extra one and he sent one to me. So thank you for doing that, Brian. Much appreciated. You're,
5: you're, you're welcome. Is, Enjoy. Is that on the, uh, is that in the archive?
0: That one? Hmm. Good question. Not exactly sure about that one. Oh. Uh, right, yeah, but yeah, the Ian Minns, the Don Ian Min book. So, um, yeah, so looking forward to looking at that. And anybody else have a project update on what you've been working on? Uh, Patrick Eulin, you mentioned that you were 3D printing some bits and pieces for one of your things.
9: Yeah, but my week's all about making... This little piece a millimeter longer so it slides better, and this little piece a millimeter shorter so it doesn't turn off the power <laughs> button every time I bump the machine. And just the really exciting, sexy part of electronic design this week. <laughs> Considering that every reprint takes, you know, another 20 minutes or so, so I can see how Welcome this one's to the drawn. grind.
0: <laughs> now you now, when you were first talking when well not the, when you first talked about it, the when you t- spoke about it recently, and you were you were asking you know I wonder if I should worry about you know you're you're doing the height you 're doing a three-way switch for like joysticks and and mice and high-res interface now and then the question came up should we just focus on the tandy high-res interface or should we do that other coco max or whatever the hell it was called one and i think a lot of people on facebook kind of chimed in saying that the one program that needed that other interface had already been patched to use the standard tandy interface so i don't think you really need to pursue the Whole multiple personality high-res option. Did you did you see that feedback? Or maybe you're not on Facebook. I don't yeah. remember.
9: No, no I, I did see that, and they're entirely correct. It is patched, yeah. so there's no real... Um, but in the process of the op-amp that Tandy used is only available as a big old dip chip, and I want to make a tiny little logic board that people can put into whatever miscellaneous dongle they want to make, uh, okay. as opposed to this big, chunky thing that's fun to solder together, and it'll probably be a great kit, but, you know, it's only limited to the cocoa where if I sort of extract the logic into a little surface mount board, um, stick it in all kinds of computers. Mm. Now, would um, this
0: would this distort the hobby, by any chance, if I was to plug that into my cocoa? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, just, we're
9: distorting it like
0: no, all kinds
4: of... <laughs> like oh, like I say,
0: Once once Tandy plopped the gimme
9: into the 6809 design... It's distorted. So, <laughs> you know, let's go. Let's get some texture mapping in fractalis and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, see, anyway. See this? Yeah, what See is this that?
5: thing I've got in my hand? That's called a distorting iron. Distorting iron. <laughs> uh, distorting iron.
4: Uh, <laughs> so. Cool. so, yeah,
5: I've
9: also spent the week trying different op amps that are available in, in uh, surface mount, you know, little quick... Size things because that fits my master plan. Um, so I know more about op amps than I should ever have learned. And I'll write <laughs> up a little one, two, three article or something about the oh, interface since I found out it's hard to find. It's out of all the cocoa crap I've got, that's the one thing that's hard to find now.
0: <laughs> now, for me who's not electronically minded, what is an op amp?
4: This is. Amplifier.
9: Yeah, like a, a really, a really good amplifier that has both a positive and negative input. So I can feed it two signals and let them fight out each other and do various clever things by feeding the output back into the positive input or the negative input. And um, anyway, that's why there's a whole article I wrote about it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just a really good way to take a dirty signal, clean it up, change the way it acts, you know, okay. a square wave into a sawtooth, turn it back into a square wave again. And you can do all that for a quarter, 50 cents. Okay. Making go to
5: 11.
7: I'll raise you a dollar.
9: (laughs) 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 Well, the reason that you get a signal from the cassette on the Coco, I'm pretty sure, is because otherwise they would have had to spend two bucks for an oscillator to time the thing. So they can just have the Coco throw out a pulse. There's your
5: time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
5: Free. That's that, that, that's what an op-amp looks like. That's a bunch of op-amps in there. Okay. So uh, Basically, like, yeah. yeah. Sounds like uh, they're in, they're in, Op-amps are in just about everything electronic. Is
7: that what runs so, yeah. Pulse Eternal? <laughs> 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 the, the, the Pulse
5: Eternal. The Pulse Eternal studio has got literally probably thousands of op-amps spread throughout it.
3: <laughs> Patrick. Okay. Have you had a chance to look at the, uh, the Surface Mount LM3900s It's on Mauser? I've got a cup. I don't
9: have all the numbers in my head, but I've got a few things coming. Um, they're all slightly different in trigger, so I'll have to, you know, budge the biased resistors and the size of the capacitor that makes the sawtooth and all this kind of stuff because everything is just enough different that it gets wonky. You know, mm. I, w- I want it to be relatively linear and sort of centered where the old Tandy design was. And even though there's a lot of slop on all the sides where you could make it work, I don't want to have to make it work. I want it to just be transparent. So I haven't got to play with too many parts yet because we're working on Corona time and parts take two weeks to show up.
7: So <laughs> yeah, shipping's ridiculous. Mm. Well, I the half of the about- stuff I can talk about these uh, bipartuberators and stuff like that, but you guys sound important. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, sound important. We
5: may not actually be important, but we sound important. Right,
4: but That's we right. sound
0: good. Op <laughs> yeah. amp. Interesting. Does anybody else have any update or acquisition or anything they're working on this week? Projects they're working on. Things they're fixing to get ready to do. Anything like that.
5: I'm looking at moving house and studio. That's <laughs> a pretty big thing. Oh, really? Yeah. You've got a yeah, lot of stuff. I'm, that's
0: yeah. that's going to be an undertaking. I know.
5: It's going to be a major mission. But, um, yeah, the the, the the deal I've got here with this building, um, I'm sharing the building with uh, with the, uh, the guy who runs a business. And uh, his business isn't doing too well because of the coronavirus stuff. So I've had a whole lot of things come up. So that's i sort of been preoccupied mm. be with all of that. So, uh but, you know, mum and dad always taught me to look at the silver, silver lining in the cloud. So I'm looking at it as an opportunity to find an even better place, space than I've got now. And I can set up a dedicated cocoa area and dedicated studio area and just have it all nights and neat. And, and I'm actually looking forward to it, even though I hate moving.
7: Yeah. Yeah. It's never fun. Yeah. You're going to um, find stuff.
5: Yeah. It's how you find stuff. So you know, least find stuff. I'll find my stella Lifeline cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick,
0: Nick Morentes. Now, maybe this is worth a brief brief discussion on this because, I don't know, I, I wasn't a fan of the word distorting the hobby because I just feel like that has a negative <laughs> connotation to it. But um, oh. but let's talk about – I want to talk about something for a second, though, because it's like – so the challenge that you have sometimes with, with a variety of hardware, really, I don't look at it as a distortion. I look at it as an adaptation challenge. Where is you can have all these cool things, but if if there's no support for it, then what difference does it make you know and, and the perfect example of that is the 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 three or four different sound options that are out there that that have limited adaptation right now so um, to me, I really think that's the challenge. The fact that you have a different piece of hardware that wasn't made by Tandy. I, I I personally, again, it's all personal preference. I don't see a problem with making the cocoa bigger and better than it originally was. Um, but I see the challenge I see, or the problem, if there is a problem, is that and maybe it's a good problem, we have all these things out there. But they're just not really being supported. Now, you're a guy, Nick, who is you've you've probably produced the most new games in the past calendar year than anybody else commercially. And you have pretty much chosen to stick to, for the most part, core hardware because you want the most people to be able to, you know, use it. But will you ever cross the threshold where you're going to support something? Because we're using, I'm going to use Sierra Online as an example. To me, Sierra Online sold the Tandy 1000 because I wanted to play those games. I wanted to hear that music. I'm a firm believer if you build it, they will come. And if it's good enough, that somebody's going to buy SoundCard X, Y, or Z because Nick's next game supports it. So, uh, and, and I think Nitrous 9 will fix some of these problems with drivers. But will you ever adopt something, Nick, that's not a core thing? Well, really? I always work on the principle of trying to uh, write software that uh,
2: the most number of Cocoa users can have. So, I mean, if you've got a hundred Cocoa users out there, well, what I, I'm not going to write a piece of software that only works for ten of them, you know? Right. I mean, apart from the fact that I'll sell less, uh, it's also that there's 90 other people who can't enjoy the, my work. Right. So, hence why I go for the the widest market and i think you find that in in anyone who creates software or any software company they're obviously going to try write or create products for the larger market now if you have already if the market is large enough like if there was 500 coco users out there well you could sacrifice that you can say okay fair enough i'll still sell 50 copies because there's 500 users out there. 50, oh, yeah, that's a pretty cool number. And like you say, people will upgrade or, or buy the, the uh, added extras. But because we've got such a small market, you, you don't have that same flexibility. The other thing is also, I don't know if distortion is really the correct term. Um, <laughs> because, you know, sound cards, like you said, they're add-ons they're not distortions distortions if you change something in the existing design like if someone was to say i'm going to distort the cocoa by getting rid of the DAC and putting in the sound chip well that's distortion because you have changed it but to add a sound card or you know whatever i don't know if that's distortion that's an add-on so do i support the add-on well like i said if there were more users i would
1: well i think you just hit
2: it though nick it's a chicken and egg thing though too
1: well the the core message was at what point does it become distortion and i think you just you just said a a pretty good bench line is when you're taking out something that is already there and replacing it with something that wasn't compatible yeah well what what
12: about uh you know what about the you know where a lot of people have replaced the processor with a sixty three oh nine and then someone was to go and develop a game that is sixty three oh nine specific. You know, is that really you haven't distortion?
2: taken away a six eight oh nine; it still runs six eight oh nine. You've yeah, added six three oh nine.
12: So, it's like if you, you took an
2: ARM chip up. and threw that different in a Gunstar. cocoa instead, that's a different yeah. story. Well, that's different. Yeah, oh. that's right. You yeah. did
6: write Gunstar, yeah. though.
2: Yeah, I did. And so Gunstar I wrote does that to work. support the add-on.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So, do you think the Cocoa VGA falls into that category? Because it's really it's, it's no, going I think in that's line. That's an okay. add on as well. And then, what about the Gimme X? The Gimme X? And that's an add on as well. Okay. So,
2: that well, has to be
8: backwards compatible with the existing. Yeah, as long yeah. as you yeah. maintain yeah. the, the backward yeah. compatible.
2: Yeah. It means yeah. if I write a piece of software, I can write it for the base configuration or whatever you know, the base I, I, uh, I set to be. Um, that it still runs, even if you have a machine with all those extras.
5: Yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. Like, you know, three out of four of my Coco's no. here have, have, have got some significant modifications, but they all will run, like, any of the game on Challenges or whatever, if there's a game that'll run on a Coco 3, it'll run on any of my Coco 3s. If there's a game that'll run on a Coco on yeah. on 1, it'll run on any of my Coco 1s. You know, it's, I've done things that you can do extra things with them on, but I can still do the core things on them without without sacrifice of any of that. As
1: long, so as,
5: totally with
0: you as, long <laughs> that as it'll play Daggerath. As long as it'll play that, Daggerath. Huh? That was
6: my point with Gunstar. You did you did rate Gunstar
2: and you did.
0: That uh, was for, for the, for the add-on. Yeah, exactly. I
2: mean, not, that li- and, limited to 6309 users. And, the- and for a long time, I, I have resisted, as Curtis knows, I have resisted going to a 6309. God, for so long. Because, because <laughs> I have always worked <laughs> on that principle that, you know, the market is only so big. How big is the, the add-on market for a 6309? And for a long time, I felt, well, it wasn't big enough. I'm not going to, you know, spend all that time to write a game for yeah, you know, uh, a, a, a fraction of the uh, of the market, but I felt that the 6309 has become so it, it's right, almost right. becoming the standard now, um, and uh, that's why I did the uh, Gunstar to support 6309, right. and the sales have proven it too. So I've uh, almost got the same amount of sales on Gunstar that I have for uh, Popstar Pilot, which was a 6809 game. So, yeah, that tells me that, okay, we have moved uh, uh, that standard. It's now, not a distortion. That... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's not, a 6309 is not a distortion because it still runs everything else. If, if you don't tell anyone there's a 6309 in there, you, no one will know. They'll think mm. that there's a six eight nine. You know what I mean? It, it hasn't changed it. And it looks yep. the same. It functions the, pretty well the same. Um, it actually,
5: functions better because it's less yeah. power consumption.
2: Well, it is actually it is better. So Runs I'm all for things that that make it run better, as long as you still maintain that compatibility.
6: Now, yeah. one thing I did help with the, with this Gunstar is that, and even though you would you didn't sell it for this reason and almost discourage people, but it did run under emulators. Uh, whereas with other yeah. hardware, like you know, unless they're emulated by the by the emulators like Coco V J or whatever. Then you run the risk of running games that only people who have the hardware can run.
2: Yeah, you you had
6: that. You had that where you could run. Like I didn't have. I don't have a 6309, but I could still run Gunstar.
0: Well, I mean, I'm going to give you a perfect example right now. The only reason why I am not excited about buying any other sound chips is because there's no. I have no reason to buy one. But if Nick Moranti supported a particular sound chip. I would buy it to be able to experience the game with that sound. And you could always make it an option where it's not required for the game, but if you have this sound chip, it'll play background music, you know? So it could just be an optional feature that you do. Um, but to me, I think that's the biggest problem with all these add-ons. Is this whole chicken and egg thing, where you got a developer saying, "I'm not going to develop for something that I don't know what the market is." You've got consumers that say, "Why am I going to? How am I going to pick from one of three different available sound cards when there's no commercial products that support these sound cards right now? How are we going to solve this problem? That to me, that's the problem: is the adaptation and the support for it. and and, and other than somebody like Nick picking a product and developing for that product. I don't see a solution other than somebody like Curtis saying we're going to put drivers into Nitrous 9 and we're going to support X, Y, and Z sound chips and now you can take these MIDI programs and play them on the various sound chips and now the Sierra games can play on these various sound chips and you know, to me, I, to me, I, that's, that's the challenge or problem that I see. I don't see having a variety of hardware as a problem. I see that as a, that's awesome, right? We got all kinds of memory yeah, options. Yeah. We've got memory options. We've got graphics options. We've got composite mods, S-video mods, RGB options. Um, it's just when you have something that adds more functionality and that functionality is not being utilized, that's the problem that I see is that, why aren't we? You know, and but who's well, going to do it? <laughs> so
4: maybe
5: maybe yes. a solution. Uh, so oh, just because maybe a, yeah, maybe a solution might be, or maybe one possibility to test the waters might might be for for hardware and software developers to collaborate together. Like say, for example, you know, um, Coco VGA. So you know, the, 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 there's Coco VGAs for sale. Then if some developer decides, oh, I'm going to write. Um, an application that specifically takes advantage of the Cocoa uh, VGA hardware. Maybe we can come together and collaborate. So when a Cocoa VGA unit is sold, um, you get a discount on the software, or you get the software included, and the, and and the hardware person charges a little bit more for it, and the software person then gets a, you know gets their 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 price from there or something. I, I just a possibility. Yeah, just thinking, I mean
0: that's a great idea. I think that's probably challenging because you have two different people that live in two different worlds and to try to align those. Planets perfectly would would possibly be a challenge, but yeah, I mean that's one Mm -hmm. thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to that's why I want Kabam to be something that will take advantage of even to a small degree take advantage of showing off some of the capabilities of the Coco VGA and and just have that as a you know pack in that somebody can play this game on it just to show off something you know.
5: Yeah, I'm doing the same thing with my uh, Coco Step Sequencer. uh, that's written specifically to use the Coco VGA graphics modes. So, so, if Brad, you
9: want to re-
4: go ahead, if you no, want to release,
9: I'm sorry, go ahead. Rick. Um, if you want to release the sound card, you should send Nick 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
4: there
8: you go, Mr. Murphy. You were trying to say something here, too, I believe.
1: Well, it's I uh, so I'm going through this exact issue with the game that I'm porting, and I've been talking with Tom C and some others about it, but. So one of the problems that I've noticed is that there's more out there for these various options than is readily apparent. And the, um, the Game Master cartridge was the example that I ran into first, is there's a lot more software out there that supports it than you would expect. And when I went through all of that, at the end, even the guy that built the cartridge was like, wait a minute, I didn't even, I've never messed with some of that stuff that you're playing with. So we do have a little bit of an information scattering around as well, and so that programming information and that utility, the the utilization, it's not really collected well, and so you do have to do a little bit of investigation. But if you start looking, there's more out there than you expect. Hmm.
8: Yeah. And I was going to yep. mention too, like uh, Richard, Richard at Boys and Tech is actually coming up with that little uh, daughter card thingy for the speech sound system, which is probably the closest to a sound standard we have because it was sold by Tandy. But it never worked on a COCO 3 double speed and it obviously wouldn't work on the Gimme X at triple speed. And now he's got this board that will uh, modify the speech sound card so it will fully function on all three of the speeds now. So that actually will be somewhat standard. We do have software that uses it. Yeah. Under Nitrous 9, you can actually start running games at double and triple speed that still use it properly too. So that's one jump towards a, okay. a sound standard. Yeah, so it's it's there a also the most primitive sucked, sound chip. sound
6: without. is good.
2: And the speech beauty sucks, of that is that the, of all the sound cards that are out on the market, the most the one that has sold the most, because it's had the last 40 years to on the market, is the Tandy Sound and Speech Pack. So having that $12 whatever he's going to charge board for that modifying the cartridge is it's good it, it means you're going to get a lot more people with that sound card than than any others eventually
1: and yeah, that chip sense. that particular chip in the tandy cartridge is also used in uh several other cartridges as well so once you've actually programmed a speak sound chip driver you all you're almost just change the port number and you support a different card and change the port number again and you support another card So the the core technology, there's really only three core technologies used in the hardware, and that's the DAC. Then you've got the AY chip, and then you've got the SN chip, which is used in a couple of other of the card options. So it's, it's actually closer, I think, and maybe I'll take this as an opportunity to write an article about it just to help catch everybody up, because it seems like there's, you know, unless you're actually looking at it, it seems like there's a lot of well, you just don't know that it's out
0: there. Oh, that's always seemed to be the case. There's a lot There's a lot of um, informational vacuums. You know, so everybody knows a little piece of a, a bigger picture. And unfortunately, that collective cohesive picture is not always. And, and that's that's another challenge. I think in the 21st century with the Internet and, and online collaborations, it would, we would be better at assembling this jigsaw puzzle. But somehow there's always seems to be missing pieces, you know? So the
7: speech and overload. sound pack, the speech and sound pack at uh, two point eight megahertz, does it sound like chipmunks? No, you no, know, it'll be the same. Oh,
8: yeah. Now the card runs independently of the Coco's clock, yeah. where it, before it was tied to it and would screw up and not operate properly. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it, that's it, the it, whole it's point in, of that, that add-on board right. is to make it yeah. operate at
5: the right speed.
2: At
8: any mm-hmm.
5: speed.
0: Yeah, it's got to be modified yeah. to fix that problem, but that's, that's yeah. what Richard's yeah. Yeah. kit the, does. Because the
8: other solution right now, say you wanted to write a Cocoa 3 game that uses a speed sound pack. The only way to get the sound part to work properly was to clock down to 0.895 megahertz, which means slow it down to Cocoa 1 speed. And Cocoa 3, you've got graphics that take four or five times as much RAM that you have to move around than a Cocoa 1 and 2 did. So now you're artificially slowing that down at half speed and trying to do it just to, just to get some sound out of it and it's, it's quite frankly not worth it yeah. In the most or and that's why, yeah
2: and that's why there, I don't think there's any Coco 3 specific program that uses a sound and speech pack or at least for the sound anyway mm-hmm. right. Yeah, right for that right. reason because yeah. the speech what? part does work at the different clock speeds it's the sound chip that doesn't well what well, do you guys that, think mm-hmm. go ahead sorry
1: the programming interface on the Speech sound Pack comes with uh, a really horrible caveat in the <laughs> fact that you have to wait for a particular status bit to go live before you can do the next Now, speech.
0: supposedly, if you talk to Tim Lindner, who's disassembled it and emulated it, he's saying you don't have to do that. There, That there is a mode, there's a way to, to bypass that pick and talk straight to the chips. I'll have to look through his site so. again. So so Tim it. Linder has disputed that claim multiple times, saying that's not true, that there is a way to do it. Um is but, that the guy from the book? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. He the Cocos, too. yeah. He's distorting the hobby. He's distorting <laughs> the hobby. I
0: have seen his Coco threes. Yeah. Um, oh, they clean up
5: real so
6: well.
0: <laughs> so let me let me ask you this though, because to me, I think one of the most compelling new things right now is the word pack two. The fact that you've got basically an MSX in a cartridge where you've got multiple colors and multiple sounds, you got composite out, and and you know, uh, do what do you, what do you think that definition of that is? Is that an is that an add-on or is that That's a distortion? That's an add-on. That's, That's an not add-on a distortion because the cocoa
2: is unchanged.
8: Yeah, and, and you you're still sp- playing old cocoa games. It's not replacing. That's right.
2: It's yeah. an add-on. Yeah. What you're do distorting there is, I guess you could say, you're distorting the standard. You're not distorting the cocoa. So, yeah. You're not going to find much software
0: supporting it. Well, again, this is a chicken and egg thing. Well, But, yeah, uh, but I is. think what they're doing is they are, they're porting the um, AGD, AGD stuff to AGD, that. So there's going yeah. to be a library of hundreds of games already for it. And again, I just have a feeling that until somebody writes a program for it, then it's never going to happen. And, and, and I, honestly, I think that's going to be one of my future projects. Once I learn assembly and once I learn how to invent wheels that don't need to be invented, like creating sprites and, and figuring out collision detection and doing all the bullshit you need to do because the computer doesn't have the right hardware, and I do that exercise, then I'm going to say, you know what? Now that I know how to use the 6809, why don't I use the processor to do what it's good at and use a sprite chip and a graphics chip and a sound chip to do what they're good at and and mm. and I'm gonna re- release a version of Cosmic Aliens for that, and uh, and again, it's you need somebody to say f it, and I'm gonna make something for this thing just to show that it can be done, and then hopefully other people will jump on board and say, yeah, now I want to buy a word pack, and now maybe I'll develop for the word pack, you know. But uh, I I yeah. look forward to these new add-ons. And I just hope that more and more support will will take place for them at some it, point in time. And, and,
2: and I think they're only doing, it, okay. if you're only doing it as a hobby. Just, uh, I'm going to write it and uh, give it out for free. And I don't care how many people are going to run it. Yeah, that's fine. But if you're trying to see if you can make sales from it, well, how many people have that MSX cartridge at the moment, say? No one. So
0: yeah
13: yeah but you that's one, uh,
2: you might get one sale
13: <laughs> that's a, a lot oh, of
2: that's,
4: for the, that's again
0: somebody's got to somebody's got to say i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do something for it to show what can be done and then hopefully more people will do it too. yeah that's well, what i'm that's hoping right. that's and so i don't mind and
8: i think their approach of actually converting the agd engine first so you have an immediate library of 200 plus games i mean they're not the greatest games in the world but <clears throat> there's a huge library that will, I think, incentivize sales more. Yeah, on that nothing card. else.
0: You can buy you can buy this kit or buy this cartridge and play 200 already existing games, and and there's your payoff, right? If you spend a like hundred dollars on the
1: cartridge, graphics, yeah,
8: sound yeah. right off the bat. So yeah. that I think they're taking the right programming
1: cartridge. examples,
8: and so that you can
1: continue developing mm. more.
8: Yeah, that but the but, sound you know.
1: cartridge came with that in the book. You had the basic programs yep. that said here's yep. how to do it. Other, all these hobby hardware add-ons. Sometimes you have to chase down the programming information. So a lot of it's out there, but some of it isn't. And then some of it is, hey, I made a piece of hardware. How do you use it? You don't even know.
4: Man. Yeah, you, yeah, ju- yeah. you
1: just
7: yeah. got your 4K Coco back in 1980, and OS 9 was a distortion.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah. it, was, it was different. And,
6: oh, yeah, it was very different. And
7: it, it was made before the Cocoa. No, so, but yet it's it's in something separate like what's fusix or fuzzix or whatever you call it is that a distortion too or <clears throat> does that can you run programs with fusix or whatever not with just full k how does
0: that work no i know no fusix is its own operating system yeah i mean you can run software it's not like there's a, i don't know how many programs are out there for it but I guess it would be kind of like Flex, right? Flex was an operating system for the Coco. And if a program was written to run in the Flex operating system, then you could run that. Uh, as far as what the actual library for Fuzix is, I'm not sure, but you could probably ask Brett Gordon. Um, Fusix so a,
7: run, Go ahead. Sorry. You're not going to run Fusix and, and play your cartridges or, you know, stuff that's nah. been made to floppy with it or whatever. Well,
8: no, I mean, no, no, they're no. Their own separate operating systems. like, like, like. Yeah. Flex it's kind of like Nitrous Nine. Programs.
0: Yeah, right? like Nitrous yeah. Nine has got a bunch of games on it that you can play in Nitrous Nine or programs, software, right? So, Nitrous Nine software is running in Nitrous Nine. There's probably considerably more OS Nine software than there is Fuzic software. Yeah. Um, but Fuzix is a cross-platform operating system too. So while Brett's working on the Cocoa version, there's other versions of Fuzix running on other systems too. So I'm imagining there are a handful. Oh, of, didn't know uh, that. Yeah. So I'm imagining there's a core set of applications and utilities that would work on all of them. Yes. Um,
8: Basically, it's a recompile. If you want to take something that was written on an Acorn or something like that, that's also running Fuzix, you could recompile if it's written in C for the Cocoa version, and it should theoretically work. Yeah. So, oh. <clears throat> all right. Well, not, yeah. n- none of that's a distortion
7: um, from uh, RS radiation Well, not an opera. No, that's software being. They're loaded. just different that's, operating um, systems that, running on the same distortion. hardware. Yeah.
8: yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. running DOS versus Windows three point one versus yeah. Yeah. Windows ninety eight versus Windows XP versus yeah. so Windows. You're not distorting 10T. the hardware. You're just loading
2: Linux? a different operating system. Yeah. Hmm.
4: yeah.
2: Which is what you're meant to
8: do with a computer and <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. run software. <laughs> no long-running <laughs> but, computer system has ever survived by not adding on extra hardware, by not adding on extra software and operating systems. They'd die if you don't do that. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, if the coco,
2: true. the coco wouldn't have gotten far if they stuck to 4K of RAM, for example. <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah, well, that's... Yeah,
0: well, exactly. yeah, I mean, part of, part of what limited the Coco was Tandy's designs were based on the, saving themselves money um and if you want to stick to that philosophy let's do things as in you know as cost efficiently as possible at the expense of functionality well that's really a flawed approach you know yeah. and when it comes to people designing things now the last thing they want to do well obviously if you want to sell something and you want to mass produce a circuit board you want you want that to be cost effective but you're not going to do designs that are limiting you know and i think one of the so. nice things you have now is you've got the ability for people to develop circuit boards at a very rapid rate at a very low cost and you know why limit yourself now
7: sorry ron go ahead so paging memory is what saves things because that's how we're able to use eight megabytes on our coco 3 right Paging all this 64k all the time isn't that how it works or what am yeah. i wrong bank
2: selecting a- mmu yeah.
6: right yeah you only have 64k address below one time but you flip you substitute in a different bank of 64k
2: Pages. So it's, and, okay. and you need an operating system to be able to do that, and that's where right. OS Nine is probably the best thing for that, or software that's written to specifically bank that RAM. Next could right.
7: Yeah, Nick said Sorry. that. Nick Nick actually said
0: OS9 was good for something. <laughs>
4: off the record, recorded, right? right? It is. Can we yeah. play that back? back? Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, off, off the record, it. yes. OS9 is <laughs> good.
7: Well, okay, I made
9: mean, it back on. Right. So, <laughs> so
2: you
9: could you could argue that adding the gimme almost broke the cocoa, but they only really no. lost a couple of semi-graphics modes. For the extra RAM and so forth, you know, and the, the basic yeah. Now, the
2: Gimme was a good upgrade, really, uh, uh, that Tandy did. I mean, they, they got close to 100% compatibility, which is very good, really, for such a change. Do, and a customer. Do we have a chance circuit. to fix
7: that now with the Gimme X? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it. No, I think the Gimme X fixes that. Yeah. It does fix that. Yeah. So yeah. that's yes. awesome.
8: Right, right. right. Well, that, that's, uh, the, that's as far as from a distortion. The Gimme X itself is as far from yeah. distortion as you can get because it's actually bringing back compatibility it's, that was it's, missing it's in the original candy design. design. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And look at
9: the distortion I'm working on, that little high-res adapter. <laughs> 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 okay. That's a way it, what, to get around the 6-bit dat in the Coco 3 by doing this whole pulse width modulation instead of uh, voltage feed it, so that's Tandy
7: defeating their own hardware so, so in, you know, in 20 years from now we're going to have something that looks like a cocoa in the middle and all these
4: attachments
1: <laughs> it's kind of like, a, like a,
7: yeah it's kind of
0: like V'ger.
1: behind you Ron <laughs> yeah it's,
0: it's like V'ger on Star Trek right it just became Just look bigger.
8: behind you right there
0: yeah
8: <laughs> in the multi-pack that was Tandy's way of getting around the limitations
0: yeah, crazy. I'm going,
8: to, I'm going to have a look after
5: this show and see if CocoDistortion.com is available.
0: <laughs> Instead of yes, yeah, Coco Overdrive. Yeah. Has, yeah, yeah. hashtag distort the hobby. That's my vote um, for the
6: name of your machine, David. Coco Distortion. Coco D. Yeah, Coco D. Distortion.
0: Right. <laughs>
5: well, Maybe it like, will go Coco D after all.
12: So all like all Curtis the stuff, was saying. Like Curtis was saying and, and, and Steve was saying, I mean, right over my shoulder right here. I mean, here's 4K all the way down here and it, and all the different versions of the Coke. I mean, Candy was modifying it all along, you know.
4: So
2: yeah. Was, well, they weren't modifying. It was, RAM no, expansion is a pretty it, standard thing. Yeah,
12: I'm not trying to say modify, but like, yeah. What, yeah. like yeah. Curtis was Just saying. It's an evolution. You know, where they, where, yeah, the evolution of the machine. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. the
2: yeah. configuration yeah. of the machine, mm-hmm. yeah. But what, did
12: it
1: yep. distort the
2: hobby? Did it no, I don't No, we not
12: at all. No, it's, it's, it's add-ons. They were making changes. They were it doing things to it. make it more cost-effective. You know, making the machine cheaper. And and uh, both
8: Tandy you know. and third party did that. I mean, you know, exactly. the Colorware A Bus products and the you know the uh, the Eliminator by Frank Hogg and stuff. I mean, the whole point of a computer, like I said, it'll, it'll if you leave it stagnant and you don't expand on it, it will die. You have yeah, to have right. some yep. future yep. path to go to, right? And, so and software and hardware doesn't and
0: matter. Some of the updates really are quality of life updates, like being able to connect your Coco to a modern display that's a necessity, in my opinion. So, yeah, things yeah, like indeed. composite mods or the Cocoa VGA or the switcheroo with the RGB to SCART cable,
7: you know, 20 so years real time clock will be in something in the past,
0: right? right, right. <laughs> and then, uh, the Cocoa SDC if anybody wants to say that that's a distortion, I mean, I, there's never an a million years would I consider trying to run my cocoa through nothing but physical floppies that that is the most <laughs> inefficient way to do anything at this point in time yeah. you know what yeah. I mean
12: well well, exactly I mean I'll, I'm also into uh, woodworking as well and in uh, I also belong to a local woodworkers group and there's guys in the woodworkers group who are complete purists they do nothing but with like hand planes and hand tools and would, wouldn't plug a power tool into you know to make any project and then there's guys on the other spectrum you know, that, uh, that don't use the hand tools. They, they want to do everything with the, uh, with power tools and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we always talk about, we, we talk, it's kind of funny cause we have some of these same discussions that we're having right now with the woodworkers group. And at the end of the day, we all get along. And the main thing is we're all doing something we love and we're having fun doing it. So, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. here, here. here yeah, yeah, Yeah. That was probably end this discussion on that positive note. As long as you're having fun, um, You know, it's a there's, good thing. As
8: you said in your ads, Stevie, there's no right or wrong way to cocoa.
7: Yeah. <laughs> so a plywood case on my cocoa would, would be okay. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Man, Unless the wooden is <laughs> oh, then it's distorted.
7: Yeah. Yeah, the
2: well, it no still major. functions the same. It still it
7: functions the same. It
2: looks stupid,
0: but it, <laughs> it still
4: <laughs> functions <laughs> the same. <laughs> it
0: looks classic.
4: Well, if
0: you recall... <laughs> So, however, you want to cocoa, cocoa to your heart's content. So, how about we I run the a, outro? I put on a that. Shellac
7: in on my cocoa <laughs> yesterday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be back for final thoughts after the outro. Thanks, guys. <laughs> this concludes another episode of Cocoa Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Cocoa Talk, visit us on the web at cocoa talk. live We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to Coco Talk at CocoTalk.live.
1: Coco Talk is rocking the
3: 8 bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Because Coco Talk is rocking the
4: 8 bit world.
0: Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is
4: rocking
3: the 8 bit world, keeping the tanny plane alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Because CocoTalk is rocking the 8 bit world.
0: Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morenkes, Ron Vo Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Cocoa community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T.com. The Cocoa Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. All right, we are back. So, Nick Morodi, were you going to let us know about some breaking news? Or is that Curtis's <laughs> job? He's the news guy. Nick found it. He can he can break it.
6: Okay, yeah, so a new release. Distort
0: it. Distort a the news. news.
6: <laughs> <laughs> okay, an old release of MAME was... Uh, no, <laughs>
0: A bug-free version of MAME has just been released for the first time in MAME's history. (laughs) Uh, uh,
6: Bill Pierce posted in the uh, Terra City Color Computer Facebook page a new release of uh, VCC, version 2.1.0a has been released. Uh, And they they added a couple of features, including aspect ratio, force aspect in the uh, windowed modes, which I guess will force it into a uh, proper uh, aspect ratio uh, regardless of what your size is. And uh, they moved it where the files are stored, uh, so yeah, get uh, get it from the GitHub uh, GitHub site.
0: Uh, cool. I don't have the actual URL. Hold
6: on. The yeah.
3: URL is in the video. Link. I already posted yeah. it. Uh, we, okay. we just posted Post the that. link to
0: the Facebook thing.
3: Yes. Yeah, so, so I
0: guess one of the challenges with VCC is if you just if you inst- and this is a Windows newer Windows permission security thing. If you install it to the default location, which is Program Files or whatever, there are some system permissions that don't let certain files get modified properly, and it, cor- it causes some issues. So, I guess they fixed that or some of those. Um, config files are saved in a location now that the operating system doesn't restrict.
6: Yeah, a lot of programs are starting to use app data now. Instead of yeah, yeah.
0: And I, I always, I never installed mine to that right location. I would just unzip them and put them somewhere else, you know, so it's in a non-standard folder location. That's where I run all, actually, I'm running all my emulators off my Google Drive, so it's like in a G drive slash VCC or slash MAME or something. Um, but the default or installation always, would present a always get a
7: hit on... Uh, my antivirus, because it's an EXE file, and when they want to, you know, for the VCC send it off to be yeah to have it analyzed before I can use it, and then I have to go in and find way oh, to
0: tell them a way. to Oh, that's
6: that's Microsoft being uh, with its screen. Mm. It's
0: not Microsoft. It. It's. Uh, Oh, or wow. okay Jim R says that uh, that that VCC any patch is his so that was his contribution I think Jim's also the one who' f- fixed the uh, palettes the red and the red and blues look a little bit more yeah that we talked about last week in cocoa correct so cool thanks Jim that's there's about uh, the good work yeah. He distorted it to where it actually worked better. Um,
4: <laughs> God. Well it was distorted distorted. Yeah, yeah. Undistorted. <laughs> undistorted.
0: Now. Can you roll a disclaimer again uh, be the beginning?
4: The views and opinions expressed yeah.
6: by the
0: <laughs> panels are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the cooker Talk show. It's uh. cast, its crew, subsidiaries, or affiliates. Open minds, encouraged, sense of humor, recommended. Uh, if wow. any if any information was distorted we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it.
7: Oh, for the love of God! So, All right. so when you just when you distribute this uh, cocoa truck, it's it going to be distortion special? Or... No. <laughs> 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 oh, who knows? All right, when right, um, it's time for final thoughts,
0: David Oak. Actually, this is David Laddstrap He's the announcer. David, why don't you walk us through final thoughts,
3: David Ladd? By the way, great job this week, David. Why, thank you, Stevie. It's been a pleasure to help
8: everybody
3: through this week's episode. You're
8: sounding distorted, David. (laughs) I just can't help some
3: laugh. This has just been a distorted episode. From
8: Distortion
2: Lad. Oh.
3: All right, we'll start start with the uh, the, uh, the cranky one. Nick, go ahead. (laughs) What's your final thoughts?
2: Oh, me. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was all good. Nothing nothing new. Oh. <laughs> you caught me off guard. Well, Crikey. That's
3: easy to do, though. Crikey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right,
7: Mark B. Oh, I'm getting kind of fried today. So parting thoughts have parted. All right.
4: Okay.
7: Hey. <laughs> that's good.
3: Patrick, that's <laughs> uh, distorted. It's some distortion. <laughs> that's definitely Perfect. distortion. All Perfect. right, Ron.
7: Yeah, I'm just a computer user, man. I just use the computers, man. I don't program, and I use every little piece of software I can find in the SDC, and I go through it, and it's fun, and I play with my toys. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay <laughs> all righty then <laughs> brian there are <laughs> worse hobbies i have
14: coco your way
8: <laughs> mr boyle there's no wrong way to coco emulators hardware software use everything you can everything you want we are working on drivers and stuff here to try to expand it so it's a bit easier for programmers to access some of these extra cards without having to learn the cards insides and outs so you know, look for that in the future, but uh, there, there's no wrong way to do it.
3: Mr. Moroda,
6: Just a reminder, we're doing uh, Rally SG this week. I highly encourage you to head on over to NickMarentis.com and uh, pick up a copy. It really is a good game, regardless of whether we're, uh, whether we're playing it this week or not. It's a really, it's worth, it's worthwhile purchase. And uh, yeah. Nick, I expect my check in the mail.
8: <laughs> and, and, and please support the Nick Morenti's Ferrari Fund, that's the other thing so. that's
2: right,
3: there's
8: Tell still the room in
4: Opsies. the shoebox
3: for more So, yeah, let's rally behind the Coco <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mr. Murphy uh, everybody enjoys Sep Tandy, Coco every day, if you can
3: Mr. O'Connor Everybody, get in
5: and get your votes in for my cocoa distortion.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And finally, Mr. Strawbridge.
0: Cocoa hard, cocoa often.
3: Back to you, Excellent. Mr. Ladd. And finally, everybody, love each other and let's cocoa till our hearts content. <laughs> That'll be it, everybody. Have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Great job David. Bye bye. See you next week.